powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios in Azle, Texas. It's episode 220 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome the one and only Daniel Marshall to the Primetime Show. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Delos Race Cigars. Delos Race Cigars introduces another chapter of the saga, the saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. The saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo Olor and Puerto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three, prizes, three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retail for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. Perdomo Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Champagne, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70 and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com and by Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes late cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of our Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic Guardian of Pharma Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, we want to mention Drew Estate, who earlier tonight gave away a full Bitcoin and made a ton of announcements regarding... Barn Smokers, uh, a Savage Feast in Texas, a new line extension to the 20-acre farm for Corona Cigar Company. So if you didn't tune into tonight's Barn Smoker, go to Drew Estate's Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate Cigar or their YouTube channel and catch it. And as a reminder, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 220. Today is Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina. Now, I'm not joined by Aaron Loomis tonight, um, who is taking a well-deserved vacation with his family. So uh, Aaron uh, definitely uh, is enjoying himself. I'm sure he's giving his vacation at 9.0. But uh, we have a perfect, I, well, maybe you have an 8.5 here tonight. No. Uh, we have, we, we have uh, as always, the one and only Bear Duplissy. Bear, thanks for being uh, on tonight. Coop, thanks for having me. Uh, my, my, my humble gratitude to our partner in crime, Aaron Loomis, who can be here and allowing me the privilege and the opportunity to join him on the illustrious 
original, the OG primetime stage. This is uh, this is fantastic. I'm really excited. And I, Coop, I think you're really overselling this. It's definitely going to be like a, I would say a 7.1, you know, you know, excellent, definitely excellent first and second thirds, you know, good draw, great construction, you know, maybe a touch up in the last third that kind of drags it into the low sevens. Just saying. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> we, uh, we, bring, we bring the A game here with everybody here. So, you know, well, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to bring on our guest in a second. But, Bear, you and I, we, you know, Aaron, we all do a lot of show prep, right? And as I was going through this show prep over the last week, right, this was one of the show preps that was like, wow. I just kept, wow, 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 right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think you, and you were even, we were messaging, there was just this, the, this man's story is, is, is fantastic. And, you know, this is a man who is really, I mean, given back to this industry in a lot of different ways. And uh, I think he's really been a, a great ambassador for this industry. Um, oh, without, without question. I yeah, think, uh, yeah. I mean, I think what people are going to realize tonight is there is, you know, there's more, there's more to, there's more to a person than even their legacy. Yeah. Than even, you know, and, and this is, this is a, this is a show that I was, uh, I, I mean, I would have been pleased to have stepped in for Aaron on any night, but, uh, yeah. when I heard that you needed me, I was more than happy to help. And then when you told me the guest, I was like, absolutely. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Bear <laughs> didn't just say, Oh, who's the guest. Right. No. He's like, I'll do it. Whoever the guest. And I was like, well, I'm just letting you know the, the guest is Daniel Marshall. Right. <laughs> He's like, Oh shit. Really? He's like, is Aaron okay with that? Like Aaron's cool with it. You know? So, uh, you know, um, and I know you and I, we, we met Daniel at the 2019 trade show. Correct. Um, and it was just amazing to meet him. And um, why don't we bring him on right now, Bear? So without further ado, let's welcome in the one and only Daniel Marshall to primetime. Daniel, welcome to primetime. Guys, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on your illustrious show. Bear, nice to see you, Cooper, and everyone out there. I hope you're enjoying your favorite cigar right now, tasting it, enjoying it, hopefully with a great whiskey or spirit, but nice to see everybody. Yep. You too, Daniel. And thank you for being Absolutely. on tonight. Well, and, uh, you know, first of all, we should mention where you are tonight. And it's a place I've been to before out in Santa Monica, California, the, the Lone Wolf uh, Cigar Lounge. The famous Lone Wolf Cigar Lounge. It's the biggest, the best cigar lounge here in Southern California, LA area. Uh, and it's really spectacular. The owner, David Weiss, was kind enough to allow me to take over the whole space tonight. He's got all these great leather couches and old cigar books and great artwork. And I'm really proud of him. He started with his partner, Chuck Norris, back in the mid-90s. And uh, they were featured in Cigar Aficionado magazine in 97. And uh, it's a uh, it's been quite a history and a story and a challenge to keep going in California. And I'm super proud of him. So here's the David Weiss and absolutely. 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 Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and I remember, you know, uh, bear when I was out there, that was right after I got out of the hospital. Right. So right. it was, I wasn't doing a lot of smoking, but, but I, I did go in there uh, cause I was staying in the Santa Monica area and it was, it was, it was great to see a place like that uh, in Santa Monica. So. Well, that's that's fantastic. I I, uh, I have to confess that the Cal the state of California, unfortunately, is uh, the state where I've 
I've actually enjoyed the least amount of, uh, you know, cigar lounges, which is unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> it is, that needs to be remedied. It is absolutely true when you compare it to Florida or even oh, London. Of when you go to London, guys, you will find a cigar lounge in every five-star hotel and club. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so cigar-friendly and such an elegant, celebratory pastime, which is what it is and what it needs to be and what it will always be. And uh, California, yes, no, you can't even walk down the street without looks. You can yeah. sleep on the street. You can take drugs on the street. You can do everything, but you cannot light up a cigar without yeah. an attitude. So. You know, that's why we're so happy to have the Lone Wolf Cigar Lounge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's Absolutely. great. So, Daniel, like before, we're going to get right into your segment here, but I know we're going to be doing some giveaways throughout the show. So I want to get the first one done right now um, for people to enter. Let's do it. OK, well, so, yeah, go ahead. Ben. Go ahead. No, I have this tradition um, because my whole story in the cigar world started with a gift. So I'm a big believer in the power of the gift, the power of kindness, the power of appreciation. So I think that whenever I do these great shows, we got to give some stuff away. And uh, as a way to say thank you for 30, now it's 40 years. Two yeah. years ago, it's 38 years, and now it's the 40th year. So um, I, we have a five, five different special uh, prizes. And I think one of the fairest way to do it is to say, let's celebrate someone's birthday. Yep. Whoever's birthday is closest to today gets the first prize. I think Ooh. that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, I love I, it. I, I should just mention this. Today is my daughter's 30th birthday. <laughs> and your daughter, daughter's birthday tomorrow. Well, we'll be, we'll be sending a prize to her also. But for the, for the uh, people tuning in, yeah. it's, uh, you, you, tell, you tell people how you want it to work. Okay, so yeah, we're going to give away the book. The, the Daniel Marshall storybook, uh, and you have it there. Oh, by the way, this is an amazing book. Just so you know, I, I have this book. Um, it is just loaded with, if you're a cigar enthusiast, you're going to want this book. Um, and very and by the way, it comes with a beautiful packaging and everything with it too. But it's something you're going to pick up over and over again. To enter, all you got to do is, is hashtag DM1. Hashtag DM1 with your birthday. And we'll pick we'll pick the closest one there. So it shows some pictures from the very beginning in 1982. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes us all the way to uh, almost present time in 2020 when I asked my dear brother, friend, most amazing cigar master angel on the universe, Carlos Fuente. To Who is tuned in? Help me celebrate my 38th anniversary with a special Carlos Fuente 38th anniversary cigar. Yep. Him, and, him and his partner, Ciro, knocked it out of the park. I'm so proud of this cigar. It's a true, true jewel. And we launched it in Kitzville, Austria at the Daniel Marshall Cigar Lounge. And uh, we had a lot of illustrious uh, guests and great cigar, discriminating cigar enthusiasts, sports figures from around the world. It's uh, truly a Fuente masterpiece. Yep. Yep. So, the fan folks, all you got to do, hashtag DM1, your birthday. That's it. You, 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 this is really easy, and I see them coming in already. Daniel, let's kind of go – let's kind of get right into, like, your story here. We like to start off – I know it's similar to, like, what Carlito Show does, but we've done this as well. First experience smoking a cigar. Do you remember it? I sure do. 
I was in, I was in Los Angeles at a trade show and I was 19 years old and it was a tinderbox trade show. And which, which is really weird. It was in LAX, around LAX airport. And I was next to a gentleman called Sal Fontaine. And he had a small, tiny brand called Camacho that he was involved with the Auroras in. And here I am with the humidors and have the whole collection and no one was coming by. It was like dead. I don't think anybody was really back in 82. You know, there weren't that many people, weren't that many shops that around the country, certainly that uh, were into high-end, beautiful humidors. And um, so Sal said to me, would you like a cigar? And I said, sure, why not? So he gave me this really nice, beautiful Maduro cigar made by the Aurora family. And it was absolutely divine. And I loved it. And that was, that was the first experience. Funny enough that I didn't share it with the person that really got me into it. But I shared it with Sal Fontaine, who, who, uh, who was really instrumental, I think, in building the Camacho brand. Oh, absolutely. He's such a you know, historic figure uh, in this industry. Um, and I never met him. But I mean, his influence is just a lot of us who smoke cigars today have a lot to pay homage to him for, for sure. Uh, so, Daniel, when you when did you start um, when did you start this idea of you're going to build humidors? Was this after you smoked your cigar? Was it beforehand? How did that start? I'm telling you, I had no intention to build a humidor. I didn't even know what a humidor was. I had no intention to be a businessman. I was a surfer. And I sailor and I wanted to sail around the world and never be a businessman. And uh, so I, I started saving money for a sailboat when I was 10 years old. After a trip to the South Pacific on a 40 foot sailboat, my dad took us down there and we took a year off from school. I was 10 years old and that left such an impression. I said to myself, I want to build a boat. I'm going to get a boat as soon as possible. And I want to sail the world. So I started doing all kinds of odd jobs, saving every penny. And by the time 18 rolled around, I found my dream boat. It's featured in the book. And it was a West Sail 32. It was a fiberglass. I don't know if people can see it, but it was a fiberglass hull and deck, 32 feet long. And I was in heaven. And so I um, would work in the marina and the first boat, funny enough, I worked on was Sylvester Stallone's boat. And it, it, we commissioned it and I built a TV in it and it was called Nighthawk I guess well, the he movie. named the boat after one of his movies and I always remember one of my most embarrassing boat working memories was I at 8 a.m. I slid back the hatch and I walked downstairs to do my work and Mr. Stallone is in the back sleeping in the bed and I was oh no <laughs> so um, then um then the boat nearly got 80% complete and I was dating a girl or dating. We were engaged to be married. And this is her grandfather. His name was Papa Joe. Oh, wow. And he happened to think I was the craziest guy around building a sailboat to sail around the world. And every time I saw him, he would take me out to the pool and I, he would want me to give him the complete rundown of where the boat was how long it would take what it, you know 
And, uh, and one particular evening is the evening that changed my life. And when he's, he left the guests in his home, he, I live very modestly in Malibu with a, a, a father who worked for Hughes Aircraft Company, but Papa Joe lived in Bel Air. So if people who know LA, this is one of the best places to live. And he was on Bel Air Road next to Ronald Reagan. And uh, so I was like this long haired surfer dude, like totally out of my element. And this man wanted to go talk to me about my boat. I was deeply touched. And <clears throat> so he would sit there, we'd sit there for 30, 40 minutes. And I'd tell him what I'm accomplished and what I look forward to do. And uh, he offered, and I said, I'm so excited. I got a loan from the bank and uh, I have enough money now to put the boat in the water and buy the sails. $15,000 is, is what I need. So I was said, you're gonna come to the christening, I hope in a few months time. And he looked at me and he said, why didn't you come to me to borrow the money? <laughs> and I said, I said, no, I would never borrow the money from my fiance's grandfather. Uh, I, and I don't need it. I have the money from the bank. And I was really pr proud of that. And uh, he said, no, no, you can feel comfortable to buy it, borrow it from me. You're, how much you said you're going to need? He, he, I said 15000 He says, you're going to need 50000 And I'm like, you know, now I know business and all. He was 100% right. So he said, listen, uh, let's just uh, call it a loan. And you pay me back when you can. And go see my secretary in the morning. So I was just overwhelmed at 18 years old to have an offer like that. And uh, I knew I'd pay him back, but I definitely did not want to borrow any money until I gave him a thank you gift. And I challenge everyone out there, they know exactly what he was doing at the pool overlooking all of LA for 45 minutes talking to me, you know what he was doing. Wow. <laughs> I knew nothing about cigars. So I called his butler. I said, Pablo, what was Papa Joe doing? What was he smoking? And he said, an Alfred Dunhill 280 Monte Cruz cigar. So I immediately went to a cigar shop just on the same street, Wilshire Boulevard, uh, Ed Colpin's tinderbox, the original tinderbox. And I picked up the same size cigar and I made this three cigar case that you can see there. And it held three of his favorite cigars. I put a plate on the bottom to Papa Joe Love Danny. Thank you for believing in me. And I never borrowed, went to borrow the money, but I gave him the cigar case three weeks later. And he, he's, this is what changed my life and got me into making humidors because he said to me, I love it. I'll use it on the golf course, but Dunhill will buy this. If you want to set up a factory, you can do it all. You can sail around the world, set up a factory, have a business, and Alfred Dunhill will order this from you. And I'm looking at him thinking, what is happening? And that's why I call life full of beautiful accidents, because when you least expect something, it could be the best thing for you, and you have to follow that path. And so I blindly trusted him, and also the power of a mentor. So I really admired him and what he, how he built one of the first life insurance companies uh, here, I think the first one in Santa Monica. And funny enough, his building that he had is literally three blocks from where we're sitting here. So 
He built that insurance company, sold it to American, uh, he went public and then sold it to Prime America. And uh, so I was really in awe of this man and really honored that he paid any attention to me whatsoever. And uh, so I, I said, why not? Let me borrow it. And I took it to Dunhill the next day in Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive, which I'd never been to before. And they thought it was interesting, but that I had to go to New York. And so I called my brother who was in New York studying to be an investment banker. And uh, I said, Ken, can I come crash at your place? I got to go see Dunhill. And he said, sure. So my first time to New York, I think it's all going to be easy, all going to be no problem. I'm going to get there, get an order, and everything's going to be fine. And that was my first business lesson. First of all, they didn't even want to see me. I couldn't even get an appointment. <laughs> so, and uh, the journey started basically there. And uh, I walked down to Dunhill. I walked down to the corporate office because after four days, no one was taking my call and, and haunting in the back of my head. That's why mentors are so important. Papa Joe said they will buy it. So I kept saying to myself, wait a minute, something's wrong. They, they will buy it. And so I knocked on the door. And a woman answered it. She felt very sorry for me because I was soaking wet from the rain of summer, summer rain in New York. And she said, who are you? I said, I'm Danny Marshall from California. And I have cigar cases that I want to show the buyer, but I can't get an appointment. She says, hold on, come in, sit at the conference room for a sec. Two minutes later, I'm sitting in front of the buyer, Carl Barbado. And he looks at them, he's not impressed. He said, we'll sell a few, but wait a minute, can you make a humidor? And I said to him, of course I can. What's a humidor? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he didn't miss a beat. He brought up to the office this humidor, which I, I went and copied. And it had a bottle of whiskey on the inside. And he said, listen, the French don't take care of us. They get, we get broken humidors. We want a local supplier we can get a better price on. And you know what? If you can do it, I'll give you an order. So I went home. I copied it, came back three weeks later, and the dream started. He wrote, broke out his spreadsheet, 12 shops, and he wrote a $250,000 order. And I am working out of my garage. <laughs> so... Papa Joe was right. I got an order from Alfred Dunhill Amazing. and I came, I came back to him and I said, what the hell am I going to do now? Because I have one table saw, one joiner, and we have a $250,000 order. And he laughed so hard and he said, we're going to set up a factory and just go pick out the tools. And I moved into Quicksilver's location and that's, a, that's my first factory there. It was full of board shorts. And I said, this is the place I want. Quicksilver's first location. It has good energy. I hired all the guys. But we all know how business works. That sounds really amazing and incredible. But that same buyer, three months later, after we set up a spray booth, spent yeah. at least $100,000. You know what he did? He said, rescinded it. He rescinded it. You're 100% wow. right there. He said, I got bad news. I'm going to be fired if I don't cancel that order because the parent company in London was furious with me because I approved you as a supplier to the, you know, the prestigious house without checking with them. And it, it, I understand he made a mistake. But of course, in my, my ignorance of everything, 
I said, no problem, Carl. I got this. Because so he said, if you want the order, you got to go to London and get them to approve it. I said, no problem. I've never been to Europe before, but I'll go over there. <laughs> wow. Took a bunch of humidors over there. And you know, all those guys who met me were very happy to tell me to go home and that it was not Dunhill quality. So I uh, was literally crying at that moment inside and uh, I was heartbroken and I, I said to Aubrey Stiles, so Mr. Stiles, can you please detail what's wrong with the humidor? So all of a sudden they didn't expect that question. So they're looking at the humidor, trying to find something wrong with it because they just wanted to, you know, cut me because I came through the wrong channels and all that, it was political. But so they, they found some very minor points like uh, on a watch, it has the screws. So the screws weren't lined up perfectly. That was one point that didn't make it Dunhill quality or the lid was not perfectly flat. That's not Dunhill quality. And the keyhole had some white uh, polishing compound on the, in, in the keyhole. And that's not downhill quality. And the last thing was when you turn the humidor over, there's felt to keep it from scratching the surface and it was wrinkled. So I wrote that down. I said, that's it. They said, that's it. I said, will you see me tomorrow if I come back with one humidor that meets the standard that you just laid out? And they said, you're gonna go back to California and be here at nine tomorrow? No problem, we'll see you. They're <laughs> laughing. And so, I went back to my hotel, went to the hardware store, bought everything I needed, took one humidor and not 10. And I said, okay, here it is. There's the sample. And you know what? They said, that's it. But just remember, Danny, any humidor that doesn't meet that standard, you don't get paid and it comes back to you. So they put the fear of God in me. And <laughs> The funny part of that story is I get back in my car because literally this is two and a half hours outside London. It was a long way. So you had to rent a, rent a driver to take me out. This is 82. So way before Uber and all that. And uh, taxis were a fortune. So I got in the car and this man, the English driver kind of took me under his wing. He was really proud of this young kid, you know, hitting it with Alfred Dunhill, which happened to be one of the top luxury brands in the world at that time for men at least. And uh, I said, Rod, I got the order. And he looked at me and he said, I know. I said, what do you mean you know? How you know? You've been sitting in this car for three hours with the heater on. He said, I wasn't in the car. I was in the stall in the bathroom hiding because I know after every meeting in England, the guys come in to the loo, do their business and they talk. And he overheard Aubrey Stiles say, any man that goes to his hotel room and fixes the humidor is the man that's going to make our humidor. So I was back in business. Wow. And that's the, that's the story. And it's been an incredible journey since. Amazing, amazing journey. And I love that uh, I can still say I am so passionate after 40 years about the business, coming up with new creations and meeting all of you out there and having cigars with you is my greatest joy. So wow, that's it. Amazing. Daniel, I've, I've got so many questions, but the one I think on everyone's mind is what happened to the sailboat? <laughs> well, you know, that sailboat appears in my nightmares. 
every couple months, I dream about that boat. And it's such a pain in my heart because I love that more than I could ever love anything in the world. That was my dream. That was my mission. That was why I was alive. And I have to say, I never borrowed the money for the sailboat from that day that I gave him that cigar case. And I never worked another day on that boat. And so it sat there on my father's avocado ranch under a shed that I had built, this huge 50 foot shed. I built it out of scrap lumber. And it was, I always thought, oh, I'm gonna move it down to the factory and then my guys are gonna work on it after, after you know, work and we, we get it done. Never happened. So the boat ended up, my dad ended up saying, you gotta move the boat. I'm selling the ranch. You got to get it out. And anyway, that cover that you built is going to blow off in the wind. We have strong winds in California and it's going to crash into my building. So I said, okay, dad, I'll get rid of the boat. So I found somebody who paid me 500 a month for an eternity. And he eventually had the boat taken down. And I didn't even want to know what happened to the boat. But I later found out about five years ago that it never was completed. And I couldn't oh. believe it. The, the guy abandoned it. And when the yard went under where they moved it to in San Pedro, uh, the guy who told me this, he said it went to boat graveyard. And I was so crushed. Why they didn't call me, I would have bought it back. <laughs> I was so crushed that I didn't even call him back to find out what he meant by the graveyard. You have to understand, this is a huge boat, 32 feet. And I melted 7,000 pounds of lead in my father's barbecue. So this is not something you just throw in the trash, you know? So I'm, I would like to find it one day, but uh, yeah, the boat never happened. Wow. So, wow. But I get to enjoy the same things that originally drove me to build a boat, which is travel the world, meet amazing, interesting people. And I didn't know that it, I could do that through, the, through this beautiful thing we all love, the cigar. That's amazing. So, Daniel, let's um, what we'll do is I want to continue the story in a second, but let's do the second drawing right now, just so we can kind of space these out. Uh, is, there, is there anyone you want to pick for the second one? Or you want me to pick it? How, how do you want to do that? Well, I got this one on top. I call it the cigar enhancer and slash respecter, because when Carlos and Ciro and the amazing beautiful family of Arturo Fuente created this cigar for my 38th anniversary. I was lighting that cigar with something like this or Bic lighter or torch lighter. And I said, that's a disgrace. I am disrespecting the cigar. So I took cedar from our factory, which is 20 years old. I had it branded with some of my sayings, like we don't smoke, we taste and keep it lit. And I said, this is how you respect an Arturo Fuente cigar. You cannot light it with anything else but a piece of wood, for example. Right. And I really, maybe it was during the pandemic and I had drank so much vodka and I thought there was a difference, but I actually could taste a subtle difference between a torch lit cigar and a cedar lit cigar, especially this cedar is so aromatic after 20 years in our factory. So <clears throat> it comes with a, Specially branded 38th anniversary uh, cutter. I like the cutter. It has uh, that is your branding signature, on it. That's that signature yeah. gold cutter of yours. 
and it has serrated edges. So it's guaranteed to cut off anyone's finger if you don't want to cut cigars and it comes with a cedar. So this is the next prize um, that we're offering. Yep. All right. So uh, the end of that prize, uh, we're going to go again. I guess we're going to go with birthdays again. But you have to hashtag this with DM2 with your birthday. And if you entered once, you can enter again because I'll just yeah, enter of, it again. Throw enter your birthday it again. On there enter again. it again. Yep. Enter it again. Um, so we can get everyone a chance. And uh, if there's you some time, you want to change this one up or you want to still go closest to today? So I, I guess that will be second closest to today, right? Yeah. Second to closest to yeah, today. Second, second closest, closest to today. Second closest to today. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep, but uh, by all means, this really is the simplest contest we run. Well, we already saw some, <laughs> we saw some problems with the hashtag. Our audience does struggle with hashtags. I'm just kidding on the audience. Uh, so yeah, we'll go, go ahead and do that hashtag DM two. All right, so yeah, get that in there. Um, and we've seen lots of great prizes uh in there. Um, all right, so Daniel, back to the humidors, right? And and the Dunhill, the, the whole story about Dunhill is amazing. And I kind of, I'll infer this, that this really became your starting point for this, this high quality process that you have done with the, I mean, these are, these humidors are revered. I mean, these are some of the, the works of art um, and there's just some of the most beautiful products out there. And I can see, you know, just starting out with that Dunhill thing, you obviously took it to the next level after that. Well, thank you. Yes. I always loved making things with my hands and I could visualize in my head what I wanted and I was able to make models and boats and I won. When I was 12, I made a Tahiti catch. There was a magazine called Mechanics Illustrated and it was very, you know, long out of print, but geeks like me loved Mechanics Illustrated because it had all the high-tech new inventions, the first computer. And for a young boy, you look at that stuff and your mind goes crazy. and I read recently that Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and all those guys love to read Mechanics Illustrated. So in that magazine, there was a, a advertisement for plans to build the Tahiti catch. And so I built that, made all the strips of wood and I made it to the plan. And I was really proud finishing that. And then I submitted it to Mechanics Illustrated because every year they give for the best design that is inspired from the magazine, they get what's called the Golden Hammer Award. So it was a little tie tack and a little certificate, but I was pretty proud to win that Golden Hammer Award. And so I, I had the ability to, to hit the quality, but of course, working with Alfred Dunhill brought it way up where I thought this was good enough. No, it has to be perfect. So you should see in the factory for many, many years until I taught like people, my madness. I mean, I would reject 90% of the humidors we make <laughs> for the little, a little piece of dust or a little for the most minor detail. But of course, that's what creates a intangible uh, feeling of quality. I think people, when you look at something beautiful, whether it's a watch or car or boat, whatever, bottle of wine, bottle of whiskey that is made with love, a cigar made by Arturo Fuente, for example. You taste the love, you taste the human intent, you taste the passion and the, the tears. And you see it, even if you don't know anything about cigars or anything about cars, you just feel it. You know, it's throbbing and it's alive. And so that's, uh, that, that's what I wanted to achieve. And I, I, it became then my dream not to sail around the world and build a boat, but to 
have an international company and be respected and then do great work with the top luxury gift houses. I wanted Hermes. I did a collection with Cartier, Tiffany, Mappin and Webb, Garad. I, I like made the list and I wanted them all. So over time I did something with Gucci. And so it was, uh, it was a really thrill because I liked the fact that I was California craftsman doing something that no one did before. You know, it's kind of like a maverick to make luxury goods in California, where usually it's from Europe at that time. Yeah. So, so, Daniel, you know, you told this this epic saga of not one, but two, not even hurdles, but mountains that you had to go over just to get the original order. And I mean, what perseverance, what a lesson in perseverance for anyone listening. Um Young, so you, dumb, and, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> in one way, there's nothing like blind, what do they call it? Blind uh, consciousness, where you kind of just, <laughs> you just say, we, this can happen, you know, and you just don't care what people do or say. Yeah, there's been a lot of those rough barriers. And uh, I think one of the, without getting into the granular details, but besides running a factory with employees, which is already people who have cigar factories know what a challenge that is to keep your, your people on, on point and on message and making the best quality, making even showing up. I remember driving, picking up one is star employee and it was the worst thing I could possibly do, but he was a star. He was as good as me doing the detailed work when, I made the special flatware chest for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's wedding. There were five of them and they were fitted for sterling silver uh, flatware. And he was going to give it to her for the, for the wedding. And uh, it was staggering. So me and this, this one guy named Anselmo were the only ones that could do the fitting and do the detailed suede lining of putting each fork in its own place. And yeah, so all those fun stories come to mind. But the biggest thing that happened was Alfred Dunhill decided to close all their stores in one year. And my business, I thought, was over because basically they were my business. I was 80 percent of my production was going to Alfred Dunhill. Uh, at that time, we had desk accessories, clocks, jewelry boxes, uh, you know, picture frames. We had a whole, whole beautiful collection. And the parent company, Richemont, decided with all the negativity with cigarette lawsuits, they didn't want to have that happen to Alfred Dunhill. And they decided to close everything because it was a tobacco-related brand. And they didn't want it to drag down their other luxury brands, which they own many of them. And uh, so that was heartbreaking. And in life, it's interesting. And a friend of mine always tells me this. They say, don't care about the future. Just care about what you're doing today. Do the best possible you can work and with your heart and soul, and then everything will open up at the right time. And that's exactly what happened. The same year that Dunhill closed their shops, a guy called Marvin Shankin called me in my apartment. And he said, Danny, I'm going to change your life. And I was laughing inside. I said, yeah, sure. How? <laughs> he said, I'm going to come up with a cigar magazine like I do a wine magazine. And I heard from George Brightman, who's working with me now. I heard that you are king of the humidors and I want you in my, part of my magazine and what we're doing. I says, yeah, that's all great. Fine. What do I do? He says, well, you can pay for an ad. 
I said, how much is an ad? He said, $8,000. I said, I don't have $8,000. I just bought $20,000 worth of wood. He said, borrow against your house. I said, <laughs> Mr. Shankin, I don't have a house. I live in an apartment. <laughs> he was so cool and nice to me. You know, Marvin, anybody who knows Marvin, he's such that straight shooter, pull you up <laughs> by the bootstraps. He said, this is what we're going to do. Come to New York. I'm doing something called a big smoke. And there'll be a lot of people there. You show off your humidors and you're going to see what I'm talking about. So this was one of the challenges. And then the answer to the solution to me basically being out of business. Uh, I went to New York, did a big smoke. I sold $18,000 worth of humidors. I went up to Mr. Shankin and I said, Marvin, you got my business. You got my ad. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the start of building my own brand, not under the Dunhill name, because I, that was just private label. But now, now I could establish a Daniel Marshall cigar brand and humidor brand. That's beautiful. That was going to be my question, Daniel. So when you, as you, as you gained notoriety under the Dunhill name, was it always, uh, did, was it always Dunhill branded or was the Dun, you know, Daniel Marshall by Dunhill or Dunhill by Daniel Marshall or anything like that? No, it was Dunhill. And the only thing I did is put our little DM logo, which is nondescript, basically. Nobody knew what it was. I put that in the corner of all the brass plates that had Dunhill on it. And to be honest with you, Bear, I didn't care. All I wanted to do is pay my employees. I wanted to survive another day. And I didn't realize how important it was to make that association. So it was with the magazine where they did rate they had my first product, which is the three cigar case in that issue. And they also put a travel humidor I made for Dunhill and they did me a big favor. They said Dunhill by Daniel Marshall. So that, that gave me a real legitimacy right there. And, um, but I learned a big lesson there, the power of uh, how important it is. And so now collaborations that I do today, it's, uh, it's only, you know, by Daniel Marshall or, if I work with, say, a well-known person and you're making a collection, it's so-and-so by Daniel Marshall. And uh, I'm working now with uh, Mike Tyson and his team. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's cool to uh, that now, after all these years, they feel that having the Daniel Marshall name attached to it also elevates the value in a big way. And especially I learned that with Universal Studios when they came to me and they asked me, what are your ideas for uh, packaging of our Blu-ray of the movie Scarface? We're going to do the 20th anniversary release on Blu-ray, which was the high-tech version. Mm -hmm. And I said, guys, there's only one thing you can do. You can put it in a, in a Scarface humidor. And they said, forget that idea. We cannot sell a $1,000 humidor with a Blu-ray. And I said, yes, you can. Go to Nat Sherman. Go to these places, go check it out. They will buy this humidor. And so it, uh, it was a big, big hit. And it was Scarface Humidor by Daniel Marshall, Universal Studios. So they, they felt that having my name a part of it uh, made it legit, you know, because otherwise they could have gone to China and they could have done it for nothing. And, uh, but it was, it was a really, it was a great um, opportunity. And it was uh, what led me <clears throat> what led into the crazy creation of the 24 karat golden cigar. So, you know, those, those kind of things are fun. Wow. Um, Daniel, so 
you um you i mean it's incredible when we would looking at who you've done cigars for i mean and i'm just kind of going the royal family leonardo dicaprio prince albert al pacino will smith arnold um the bush president bush how did how did you kind of get into this i would say these celebrities and these dignitaries how did you kind of transition into that i mean something a lot of us i think would dream of and if you think about it from an industry perspective i'm looking at you you've transcended areas that none of us in the industry have probably seen before um and it's with a very positive thing so how did that all come about well i think it's uh something there's this word called trust and trust factors into it quality and trust and my brand after the years got to be trusted and people would do their research and they wouldn't find anything negative about it and we created something that would last for generations and i think that people who can buy anything and afford anything i think they gravitate towards the best of the best and uh that's why the best cigar makers out there are just highly sought after for their masterpieces because they, people have all the money in the world, but they want to enjoy the best that the world has to offer made by the people who are most into it. So I think it, it wasn't like I sought them out. I remember when President Bush, uh, when his team asked me, do you want to come to the White House and take a tour and meet the president? And I said, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that, but I'm really busy with my factory. And I regret not going to the White House. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it, uh, it just kind of happens organically, I think. And then because of Cigar Aficionado, then people could actually find out who made that humidor. And the minute Cigar Aficionado came out, a director called Tony Scott, uh, Ridley Scott's brother who started uh, Tom Cruise's career, I think, with Top Gun, that was one of his big breakthrough movies. Uh, he, his, his team called me and they said, Tony wants to meet you and he wants to buy a humidor for Tom because we just finished Top Gun. And so bring your biggest humidor. So I brought one of our 500 size humidors up and Tony bought it. And it started a whole history of every movie that he did. We made special movie humidors with the one sheet of the movie on the top or special pictures on the top. And even inside, I took some crazy, like they would send me pictures from the set and uh, shooting, for example, Spy Game in Morocco with Brad Pitt and Robert Redford. I got great candid pictures of them all partying and drinking and Tony's leaning back, smoking his Monty too. And so he was a big cigar lover um, and uh, I really miss him. But, uh, but yeah, it just happens, happened organically, I'd say. And also because... I love giving back and I love creating beautiful pieces. And that's why you mentioned Prince Albert. Um, you know, he, he met me and he saw the humidor and he bought the humid one humidor at auction. And then he said, can I, can I buy one for my charity? And so you're not buying it. I'm going to make it for you. And I was proud. It went for 75,000 euros. And uh, one recent, uh, one of our humidors recently went for a hundred thousand euro uh, dollars last year. And it was very, very beautiful. And soon we're going to do the press release and you'll be the first one to, uh, to get the scoop on that humidor. I, I'm, I'm thoroughly excited that you worked with Tony Scott. And now I think it's like my life's mission to find one of these humidors. Cause you know, not only did he work with Tom Cruise and, and, and you know, dozens of great celebrities, 
but he is known to have worked with my 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 absolute favorite actor of all time which is denzel washington denzel you know? oh man it, it because of tony denzel loves cigars and uh, another another great actor who did passion of the christ i think uh, uh jim cavazel uh i met him in new york and i i went over to him and he said do you still have that humidor that tony gave you and he started crying he said, oh, my God, that's my favorite thing in life. <laughs> it's a picture of what? they both have guns in their hands and they're on a battleship and they're sitting next to each other looking down. And it, it's 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 a cool humidor. Yeah. Oh, wow. But uh, Denzel's amazing. And he uh, introduced him to the Monty, too. Tony used to go through 12 a day. And uh, wow. it's a, a funny trivia, but he's the only director probably in the history of the world that the studio had to pay $100,000 a movie to have a fire marshal standing watching the ashtray on set <laughs> to make sure that <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> well, well, is it true that your humidors have been in this or, or in the Smithsonian? Mm -hmm. How did yes. that all come about? It, it happened originally uh, from a man called Edgar Coleman Jr., and him and his father owned Colbro, which owned General Cigar Company. Yep. And uh, we became friendly. And uh, Edgar went to school in Yale. And he went the same year that President Bush Jr. went. And he said, listen, Daniel, I want to make a special inauguration humidor with the governor's presidential seal in gold. And so I designed something special and we, we carved uh, congratulations on your second term and all that. And uh, so Edgar sent me the letter that he wrote to the White House and to President Bush and saying he, he was it was amazing letter. And it's in my book. It yep. said that uh, this is a Daniel Marshall humidor. And I hope you made it in America. Hope you enjoy it. And I hope you're like all the other important uh, visionary leaders that made their decisions with a one of our cigars. The 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 <laughs> there, yeah, there it is. is. That's the piece. And so once the president got that, then his team, uh, the Blake Goddessman, they call him the body man, the body, the guy that goes with him all the time. He said, uh, President Bush wants you to make gifts for every visiting dignitary, every visiting president. So we would be able to quickly, very quickly come up with. I wanted to do the presidential seal, but President Bush was very kind of understated and he didn't like just giving the presidential seal. He gave the American flag mm -hmm. and the visiting president's flag. So I did all the State Department gifts uh, for wow. the rest of his term. It was a lot of fun. And, wow. uh, the, you know, I came up with stuff. He did pen boxes and watch boxes and, you know, if they and cigar humidors. People don't even know he, he loves cigars, but he just never, never showed it, you know. Very, very good. Very good. All right. Why don't we go to our third giveaway? Let's do it. All right. Well, we Is have it? a Cigar Aficionado 92-point rated red label cigar. Smoking it right now? Age. Yeah. Uh, this one, I, I, I took all the cigars and put them <laughs> in the humidor. Um but it holds 10. It's my favorite size of the collection. It's the Corona size. Great size. And it, it's made by Nestor Placentia and his wonderful family in Nicaragua. 
And I'm really proud of this cigar. It's sold all over the world. I sell it even in country like Beirut. I sell it in uh, Dubai, in London, in Switzerland. They sell a lot of these cigars in France. We're in 50 shops. So I'm really proud of what the Placentia family is creating and the fact it can stand up against Cuban cigars, which I think is super important. And, um, you know, that's a real nod to where the cigar industry has gone and how far everyone has come by evolving into such fantastic tastes and blends, just like the, the wine industry, same, same kind of parallel. So we box age this one year. People get really annoyed because we say, nope, cigars aren't ready yet. So we age it one year after we get it from the placentas. And uh, it, I call it rich and smooth. You know, that's what I wanted them to create, something like my cappuccino on my motorcycle ride. I wanted to kind of evoke that uh, feeling of richness of the espresso, but smoothness with the, with the, uh, with the milk and all. So this is the next one. Whoever's birthday is closest to the... Uh, to the day. Do we Hashtag want, uh, DM3. Why don't we can't, can we can't get up a bit, Daniel, and say maybe closest birthday to July 4th? Yeah, let's do it. It's this way some you, other folks have a shot. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. You make the rules. Okay. Yeah, I want to give everyone, <laughs> in case someone has a birthday like uh, in July, you know, and because a lot so, of people are wondering. So, yeah, why don't we go closest birthday to July 4th? You win the 10 count, one year aged uh, DM uh, red label Corona, which uh, I, I have smoked a lot of. I'm smoking the Robusto tonight. Uh, fantastic cigar. I mean, really, really, I, I've enjoyed these. I these have been aging for about this is about three years of age I have on this one, and it's 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 amazing. So, hashtag DM three your birthday again, and this is gonna be closest to July fourth this time. So we get. Oh, okay. I think I think we've got a winner unless someone gets closer. Well, we'll oh see. man, I may ask for proof. So, <laughs> <laughs> so be warned. I may I may say valid maybe validation. All right. So hey, Bear, do you mind if we kind of go into some of the cigar stuff here? Because I want to be sensitive to time here. Uh, I mean, there's I mean, there's literally so much to talk with yeah. Daniel about, yeah. but yeah. absolutely, we want to yeah. cover as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. So so Daniel, how I mean, what made you decide that you needed to have a cigar? Hmm. 1994 comes around and I'm at the big smoke and literally half the people came by because normally they're getting a cigar and right. they say, where's the cigar? Where's the Daniel Marshall cigar? And I says, no, we have humidors. And they said, no, 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 no. Where's the cigar? We would buy a Daniel Marshall cigar. You make amazing humidors. We would trust you to make a fantastic cigar. And so for years, I like ignored that whole uh, interest and comment because I was super busy making humidors. It's like overwhelming to make a humidor. And uh, one night, thanks to uh, 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 after the show, you know, after those big smokes, you're a little bit like buzzed on adrenaline and you're having a drink with your buddies. And I was sitting next to Manuel Casada and uh, I turned to him and I said, Manuel, we're in the height of the cigar boom. Everybody's asking for a cigar from me. Would you ever make me a cigar? And he said, you know, Danny, for you, I'll do it. But you know what? I cannot make enough cigars for myself. I, I definitely can't make the boxes. So you'd have to make the boxes. And I can maximum give you 5,000 cigars a month. So I, I went to Vrydeg and they were the pretty much the only game in town then in Holland. They made the bands and 
most of the luxury cigar bands, this is Bright Egg's work. Um, beautiful quality, printed in Holland. And uh, I made these cigar cabinets out of our scrap lumber, and they were literally humidors. You, people could not even figure out how to open them up. And uh, so that's what started in 90, uh, back in 96. Uh, we launched the, the, the cigars made by Manuel Casada. And then when, as the flavors evolved and developed in the industry, people wanted richer cigars. I wanted richer cigars. Manuel went to Nicaragua to work with his buddy, Nestor Placentia Sr. And then they came up with the number one cigar in the world. And I tasted it. I loved it. I said, Great wow. Man yeah, I said, Manuel, now can we do it in Dominican and in Nicaragua? And he said, sure, I I'll make all the arrangements. So I had two legendary cigar makers blending the Daniel Marshall Red Label, which is, is, which is still existing today. And it is remarkable year after year after year after year how that profile can stay similar. And they have vast amounts of tobacco. And I think it's the only way that that's achievable. And also the madness and the craziness to just do the best. And I'm really proud that they make my cigar and they're proud to make the cigar for me. They know those cigars, who's enjoying those cigars, who gets to, who gets those cigars in humidors and whatnot. So I, I'm very blessed, very blessed. And that's, uh, that's how the whole cigar aspect of our business. But it was always kind of a stepchild to me because um, the, the humidor thing took a lot of effort. I mean, if anybody tries to make a humidor in their garage, they will see what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I, I am just in awe because uh, I, I couldn't do it. I know that. Nor could I blend a cigar. So, um, but there is something that you did kind of do. All right. And it's this gold cigar that was like the next thing that happened at it. How did this idea of making a gold cigar come about? Well, remember I said something about beautiful accidents. Yep. Those accidents are going to come at any moment and any time from anybody's lips where you least expect the idea to come from. And it's just crazy how this happened. So I did the thousand humidors in three months for Universal Studios. Right. For, <laughs> It was a huge hit. They sold them in Germany. They sold the entire 200 allotment in two minutes on Amazon. So it was high. They were all numbered. They're all white. They had the world is yours on the front. They had the Tony Montana emblem on the top. It was a big hit. And it was the world's most expensive Blu-ray packaging in the world uh, at that time. I don't think anybody's come close to a thousand dollar. You got to get the Blu-ray, but you got to pay a thousand. <laughs> so we had great press pickup. Universal was happy. And then they did a big cast and crew reunion party. So they invited celebrities, press, and they said, Daniel, can you come show off the humidor and can you bring some cigar rollers? And we're, we're having a big party in LA. I said, you got it. So I had two cigar rollers there. They had all the M NBC, ABC, Al Pacino was there, Bregman, Bauer, Chichi, you know, Angel, Salazar. And so I became friendly with those guys. And uh, I, I gave, I remember wanting to give Al a humidor that night. And the guy from the head, head guy at Home Entertainment said to me, was really, I met him. They introduced me to him. I say, man, you've got big balls. He says, why? I said, because you took a cigar-related tobacco item and you wrapped your iconic film, your jewel of your crown, 
in a, in a tobacco-related piece. And I think that's really great mainstream news for our industry. And I love doing mainstream things. It really is. Mainstream attention. So that was quite remarkable. And I said, I was sure, because Dunhill canceled their order, I was ready for that whole deal of a thousand humidors. It was a $500,000 order being canceled. And he said, no, we didn't get one complaint. It was a big hit. And I have a favor. I'd like you to make some ultra bling humidors. Let's not give Al Pacino the regular one. Let's give him an ultra bling one. And can you do that? I said, sure. So immediately the humidor goes to, uh, to Germany where I knew a guy who put the Savorsky crystals on and it blinged it out and it really looked uh, snappy. And uh, I was having a drink with a girl that I just met at the gym, believe it or not. And uh, I was telling her about this project. And I said, you know, I want to come up with a cigar to put inside this humidor that's going to Al Pacino and the, the top guys at Universal and all and the, the Chichi and uh, Steven. What kind of cigar can we do that? Like, do we wrap it in 100 euro, $500 notes? Do we wrap it in sugar that makes it look like cocaine? What would be like really cool? And, you know, I had finished the humidor for President Bush and I've worked with gold before and it is not easy. That stuff is light. You, it floats in the air basically. And it wow. gets all over your fingers. And this girl looked at me and she said, the answer is obvious. You wrap it in gold. And I said to her, I said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I said, I just made a humidor with gold and it was such a pain in the ass. I, I spent hundreds of dollars wasted gold on my fingers, on the floor, in the air. And you know what? God bless women. They have the best friggin' ideas. She didn't miss a beat. And she said, you're going to make a lot of money with that. That's a good idea. And, you know, I took my martini and I said, cheers. Here's to the good idea. Like laughing, like thinking this is no way. Right. And I scolded myself on the way home, driving back to my apartment. And I said, you're so stupid. You said it can't be done. There's got to be a way. So I spent three months creating a natural way. I looked up gold. 20, 24 karat gold is pure, so it's edible. There's no toxicity to the body. Not that you eat or smoke the gold. And I looked up, uh, you know, what we can use to, to make it stick. So I created out of a secret sauce in my kitchen from all food products, a, uh, a glaze. And I made a box for it. I put it in there and I thought that was the end of the story. No, it wasn't because of the IPCPR, a writer from the Rob Report magazine called Rick Hacker oh, saw Rick. the Scarface yep. humidor. You know, Rick? He's, he's one a of the best. He's, yeah. Yeah. He knows all about pipes and he's written about whiskeys and he's one of a scholar in the industry, basically for pipe cigars and, and, and whatnot. He was like the first cigar book ever printed probably was Rick Hacker's book. And, uh, he saw that Scarface humidor and he saw that gold cigar and he picked it up and he says, what's this? And I said, Rick, that is nothing. Don't write about that. Don't even talk to me about that. That's a joke. That's an ornament. That's decoration. Right. <laughs> it's like an embarrassment for my brand. You know, don't, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, 
let's write about the sterling silver humidor over there. It's a hundred ounces of silver. It's the most beautiful humidor in the world. And he said, no, next time. I like the gold cigar. Can I have it? Let me, let me test it. I said, oh God, okay, so here you are. So he took it. Two weeks later, he said, Daniel, I got good news. You're going to be full page editorial in the Rob Report magazine. It's also in the book. And he said, I'm doing it. And it's called Rolled Gold. I said, you've got to be kidding. I said, can you smoke it? And he said, yeah. And it leaves a golden ash. And I was wow. kidding. I didn't even know. And so I immediately went to Google and I wrote in, well, okay, melting point of gold, burning point of tobacco, 600 degree difference. So gold is 1200, tobacco is 600. So the tobacco burns inside the gold. The gold doesn't get smoked, burned or anything and it leaves this beautiful ash. So it was a media storm after that. Everybody wanted to hear about this gold cigar and it continues to live today. It's a very important celebration kind of cigar. Just recently at the Super Bowl, those who watched it, uh, Dr. Dre um, it was, was a big hit at the uh, halftime. And uh, recently I sent up a box of our uh, 38th anniversary by Carlos Fuente cigars. And one of those cigars is covered in gold. And two grams of gold to wrap the beauty of the Fuente masterpiece. And uh, he loved it. He got on the phone with me and he said, this is so cool. I love it. I can't wait to try the gold cigar. So it, uh, it's, it's a special cigar. It has a lot of history and a lot of following. Nick, Nick Jonas and Demi Lovato discovered it and they were posting about it, million hits and stuff. And so it's, it takes on a life of its own. That's how I met Steve Harvey. Uh, he had it on the Rick. show. He, he smoked yeah. it. He had it on the show, I should say. Yeah, he had it on the show. So Steve is friends with a guy called Rick Ross. He's a rapper. Yeah. And Rick, Rick told him about the gold cigar. And before you know it, I see a friend sent me pictures of Steve smoking, like having the gold cigar on his birthday on a yacht in Miami. And I made a note. I was in Europe. I said, I got to get to that guy and say, thank you for the plug. Before that even happened, one of his guys called me and said, Steve wants to meet you. We love the gold cigar. And so we became very, very good friends. Uh, and uh, he's, he's an amazing, amazing human being. And uh, great, uh, great friend. So anybody who gets a chance to enjoy a cigar and meet Steve Harvey, very lucky, very lucky indeed. That's awesome. And that's like I said, it's great for our industry when things like that happen yes. as well. For but, sure. But for you sure. mentioned Rick Ross, right? So there's a song. <laughs> there's a song about the gold cigar. There's a rap song or a hip hop song about. Yeah. The gold yeah. It's yeah. on the website. Uh, we'll put it out in the show notes, too. It's great. It's a great song. <laughs> you like it? Yeah. Well, um, through through that whole process, uh, a rapper called Cameron. He's a he's a veteran hip hop artist. He yep. he did a mainstream song with Mariah Carey, uh, which is really good. And I'm really like I I didn't know Cameron before, but he came to me and he said, "Look, I love the Gold Cigar, and I'd like to do a a song about the Gold Cigar." And so uh, he wrote it, and I never really did anything with it. I need to put it out there more, but. Uh, it kind of captures the whole idea of cigars through the through the eyes and the mind and the words of a, of a hip hop artist, and it's 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 really cool. It is really a good song. If uh, I guess that will. <laughs> All right, smoking so, jewelry. We're smoking yeah. jewelry. <laughs> yeah. 
you, you already kind of just mentioned this as well. Uh, 38th anniversary comes along and you do the ultimate collaboration. Absolutely. With Carlito. I mean, oh Carlito God. doesn't do a lot of these types of projects. How did this one come about? Um, it comes about one word, friendship, long time friendship and deep respect and love uh, of each other and what each other has done and how we've both evolved as, from basically children, you know, and uh, he's followed my journey and I've followed his journey. And when I went to Dominican Republic to see Manuel, of course, I went over to see Carlos and he had this one little factory. And I remember he said, Danny, come over. I want to show you my latest, my newest creation, my new baby. It's called, I think we're going to call it Opus X. And I went in the, the pictures in the book of us in uh, 25 years ago or so. And it's, it's like, uh, we look exactly the same, I think. <laughs> and, uh, you guys haven't aged, I'd say that, yeah. <laughs> thanks to the cigar. And right. uh, so we took a picture in his first little aging room. I tell you, it was no more than 12 feet wide, 25 feet long. And uh, he told me about the cigar and he gave me one. And uh, so, you know, that was really special. And I, I consider them the reigning family in the cigar industry, the provenance, the history, the story. And uh, I just threw it out there one day. We were in the elevator uh, after a long day at the IPCPR. And I said, Carlos, I have a crazy question to ask you. It's my 38th anniversary. Uh, getting ready to be shot, you know, because these kind of asks are not easy. I hate asking favors, but I said, would you ever think about making me a 38th anniversary cigar? And uh, Carlos didn't miss a beat. He said, it'd be my honor. Wow. I would love to. So, and uh, he not only made a cigar, created a cigar, but he made a jewel of a cigar. And I, I, I tell you, it's a very highly sought after, probably one of the rarest cigars uh, commercially out there. We made very few. He has his top roller in the factory make it he's off to the side they can he can only like 12 cigars a day something like very very small production but the way they make the cigar it's just epic and uh, you know the fact that he, he then we launched it in Kitsville and he, we were sitting next to each other he says you got to come to Dominican see what's happened since you've been there I said I'd love to he said no Danny you have no idea you have no idea Chateau de la Fuente and all that I went down there and my my, I, I cried, my mouth dropped. Chateau de la Fuente, the Hemingway house, meeting Ciro, his partner, yep. seeing Dominican five-star uh, hotels in the country has just developed and blown up. And the fact that they have created a hospital, a school on this land, that no, a forgotten land, nobody wanted this land. So they, Carlos found it, cultivated, and he, it looks just like Cuba. I mean, it is just amazing. And the fanatic way he ties the plant up three times. They don't use steaks. They tie it up to the cheesecloth. And every little detail about the making the, the cigar from start to finish is done with pure love. But the fact that he made, that touched me so deeply that there's no cigar brand out there that does this kind of charitable giving back. And what they created down there with a hospital school, they're doing a music institute. Yep. People, he did that for the local people. He did the people that live in this very poor area where they have no opportunity. And he's 
created, given people this hope. I mean, it's just staggering to see that they put millions and millions of dollars into this with their partners uh, in, uh, in Tampa, the Newman family. And they just, uh, I'm so proud of what they've accomplished. So everybody who gets to enjoy Arthur Fuente cigar, you can know that I'd say 40% of that cigar is going back to the people and going back to charity. And they certainly don't care about, you know, opulence and flying private jets and all that. It's just all goes back into business. And that's why I was so touched that he, uh, he honored me with that, uh, that great privilege to celebrate my 38th anniversary. And he was so fun to come to Austria and we launched it at a big event. And uh, it was just a very memorable moment. Yo, definitely was. And then as part of that project, there was a gold cigar that was put in there as well from the Fuente. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that was that was Carlos's idea because I would never, ever, ever think to to wrap <laughs> one of his beauties with gold. But he said, Danny, what about doing one with gold on it? I said, right. No, you're kidding. You'll let me wrap one of your cigars in gold. And wow. So, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. just awesome. That's just and that, awesome. I'm proud of that cigar. So that cigar is in the hands of not only some very discriminating people who are collectors, but I'm proud to see it in London at a, a very famous uh, private club called Annabelle's. And they sold it. Uh, they sold it out pretty much immediately. It's in Arts Club, which is another private members club. Uh, it's in Switzerland. It's in Germany, about 80 of the humidors. I practically passed out when I heard that a large allocation would go to Germany and um, but they, they, they pre-sold the entire 80 of them uh, yeah. before they even got them, which is really remarkable. But it's a tribute to uh, the Fuentes. That's Absolutely. beautiful. So, so what are Dan like... Okay, go ahead, Bear. I was going to actually go into one of those next segments. That's actually, okay. actually, here's what I'd like to do, Barrett. What I want to do is okay. uh, let's do the fourth raffle, uh, and then I'll turn it over to you. Did we do the third one? Yeah, we did the third. Yeah, we did the third one. Okay. Yeah, so we'll do the fourth one, right? And then I want to be central Daniel's time, so I'll let you. I know you have a lot of questions that you want to get in, so we'll, we'll kind of do. We'll well, do it. it was it was actually one of the next topics, so going into so, so yeah, let's do the fourth giveaway, and then yep. yeah, absolutely. Yep. So Daniel, yeah, it's up to you what the fourth giveaway is. I call it the cigar arc. Yep. It's a transparent, see-through humidor. It has our logo etched on the top. It has our um, our motif on the front. I signed it on the back and it holds about 20 cigars. And what's fun about this, and the reason I call it the arc is because literally I always wanted a humidor that you could put in the pool and you could pass it to your friends. And yeah. you, put your, you put the lighter and the cutter in there and you push it across the pool. I and love it, it. Makes a, it makes a big laugh. <laughs> I'm telling you, like when I go down to Florida on vacation, I don't have a pool oh. here, but yeah, I can see. <laughs> I I thought that, oh, so it floats. I it thought it was just waterproof. It floats too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. so There's a video. That. There's a video yeah. I'll put out there as well of, of oh, that's man. on the website of it. It's it's amazing. You look that's at this epic. thing, it's like really cool. All right. So Bear, your birthday is October twenty-sixth. <laughs> what? October twenty-sixth. Okay, October twenty-sixth. Closest birthday to Bears in October twenty-sixth. DM hashtag DM four. Put your birthday in that. That's an amazing gift, guys. This is like a this is a one of you know very unique signed by Daniel. Hashtag DM4. I have to say I got the idea from a gentleman that came up to me at the big smoke 15, 20 years ago. 
And he said, I have the testimonial of a lifetime for you. I said, really? He said, I'll write it down for you and send you a picture. I said, I'm all ears in the middle of the big smoke with all the chaos going on. I listened to this guy tell the story. He had a house in Louisiana during Hurricane Katrina. He had to evacuate and he forgot to get his humidor. And you know oh. how we feel about our humidors and our cigars. It's no, seri- it's no light matter to forget that and think it's going to be destroyed. So a week later, later, the water recedes and he goes in his house and the humidor is gone. So he's thinking, shit, somebody stole it. Where is it? It's ruined. I'm pissed off. And he looked around the room and he saw in the far corner, the humidor was sitting down on the ground. It had floated off the table, went on the ground. And he walked over there with great trepidation, like, what am I going to discover? Like soggy cigars. He picked it up. The humidor was perfect. The cigars were perfect. So the Noah's Ark of uh, humidors. (laughs) This is kind of like in memory of that story. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Again, hashtag closest birthday to October 26th. Hashtag DM4. All right. So, Bear, I know, well, the final pieces of this uh, segment with Daniel, I'm going to turn that over to you because I know you had a lot of questions here and I want to make sure you get them in. Well, I, going into one of these uh, things and just skipping, skipping six, we can come back to it, Coop. So going to so Daniel, you've 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 regaled us tonight with some incredible stories. Yeah. With incredible individuals. And I mean, stories and, and, and products with you know, cigars wrapped in 24 karat gold and, you know, what luxury, you know, what beauty, what, what, what art. And there's probably people here that are watching like myself that are like, wow, how, how could, how could we possibly be able to obtain one of these amazing pieces? And that kind of leads us into a project that you started a couple of years ago. We actually interviewed you at the trade show a couple of years ago about this. And this, what a great project this was. And, and it kind of goes back into your love of charity, your love of gifts, your love of giving. And you did the cash for clunkers program. Yeah. Um, so it. tell us a little bit about this. Cause I, this was one of my favorite things that you've ever done. Me too. Um, and, and I, I just thought it was, I thought it was the coolest thing. And it was, you know, uh, it was a trend, you know, in the auto industry, uh, you know, years before you actually announced it. And so, but you took, you, you, you know, you kind of, you grabbed it by the horns and, and, and took it. So please Tell our audience a little bit about the Cash for Clunkers program. Uh, Steve Jobs had a great line. He said, good ideas are copied. Great ideas are stolen. (laughs) (laughs) I stole that idea, Cash for Clunker, from a program that California implemented. Well, no, it wasn't California. It was a federal program. Uh, So people, it could, which was substantial, to turn in your clunker. And it was called Cash for Clunker program and it um, sold an amazing number of cars and I said hmm why can't we do that with humidor so many people say I always wanted a Daniel Marshall humidor like but I can't afford it so I said to myself let's try this let's try this let's put this out there let's give a hundred dollars a hundred dollar credit on a Daniel Marshall humidor and see what happens and you you would be surprised I I would say we have 800 humidors that have been turned in to our factory and i'm still uh trying to figure out what we're going to do with them and how we're going to turn them into (laughs) gifts i'm thinking of donating them to like uh different places where 
kids don't have treasure chests because I grew up having a beautiful box which had all my secret stuff in there. Uh, my little favorite rock or flower or whatever I was uh, storing in there, keeping it from my brothers and my family. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what I'll do one day with the Conquer. And of course, in the videos, we, we now have a program where they don't even have to send it. Now the Cash for Conquer program has evolved where you can choose to send your Conquer to us. We send you a label or you can send us a short video of what you'll do with that Conquer. And... You know, we've had everything from machine guys, like military guys with machine guns blasting it away. We've had people uh, destroying it. We've had people giving it away to uh, homeless shelters and whatnot. And one of my favorite one was a guy who worked for Amazon. He, uh, he gave it to his daughter as a jewelry box. And it was a really funny video. So he, he took the Daniel Marshall humidity, gave the clunker to his daughter. And his daughter in the video said, wow, Thanks, Dad. She was like 14. I love this humidor jewelry box. And while he walked out the room, she took the clunker and then she threw it in the trash. <laughs> it's really funny. But uh, yeah, it was a great program to allow people to help them step up uh, and really appreciate what age on a cigar can do and what proper stable humidification can do and how that can really elevate and protect and preserve and enhance uh, the cigar, because there's nothing like time and then properly kept that cigar will evolve into something very, very special. Um, so, and then I even did it with cigars and people would send me, like, I remember getting 20 Pollo de Monterey Cubans. They were fake. I'll, I guess <laughs> they were fake. They, they look good enough for me to, to light up. I, I tried one. It wasn't so bad, but they, uh, we get a bunch of cigars that people buy that they don't like, and then they trade them in for our cigar. We give That's them a awesome. dollar. That's awesome. I, I could tell you the program when we when we were running that with you that campaign. It when you launched it, it got a great reaction from you know I could just people. It was very much read, and you know there was feedback from it. Sure. So it really, it really, it really it surprised me. I got to be honest with you, but. Uh, it really connected with people. And I think it was a great idea. It's a great program. I'm glad you continued it. And, and because I think it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. It's on our shop today. People can take advantage of it at danielmarshallshop.com. And uh, it's always fun to get the videos. I'd rather have the video and uh, enjoy watching what people have in mind to do with it than, than get it back. Actually. Yeah. But yeah. I, you wouldn't believe it. I have not seen a Daniel Marshall humidor turn back, but I've seen Dunhill humidors turn wow. back. And, I, and oh. I, I got an Ellie Bleu Dunhill humidor that somebody must have paid $1,000 for. It was warped and chipped and cracked. But uh, yeah, every now and then we get some real, real beauties. Wow. Wow. Well, that was like that was what I was thinking I was going to say earlier on in the segment, Daniels. Is like one of my missions now is to find one of those original Dunhills you you made with to find your initials on the on the yeah. brass fitting. Now <laughs> yeah. I want to now I'm going to go into hold on treasure mode. But another another gem from the past here, Daniel, kind of kind of going, not quite a clunker. Well, actually, not a clunker at all. But in the spirit of of the trade show, actually, the year before you and I uh, met and we talked about the Cash for Clunkers program, you gave an interview at the trade show. Uh, with some of our good friends over at Boveda. And you yeah. told a story about how you found uh, you found your own treasure uh, you, that you thought had been lost, but it had been in storage for years. It was a picture of, you showed us a picture of it a little while ago in the book, but the original humidor, the original humidor that you made uh, in that Dunhill meeting, uh, you thought had been lost and you, you found it. That's right. It was a very exciting time because I, 
you know, our factory is big and there's a lot of boxes and a lot of dust and a lot of stuff that's uh, just been thrown in the corner and stacked up. And it was really exciting to find. But the thing that really annoyed me, it had a sealed bottle of Dunhill whiskey on the inside. And think about how rare that is. Nobody ever knew Dunhill oh, had yeah. whiskey. And it had all gone to Angel Share. It was disappeared. So it was molded and everything and old and cracked in the label. And there was nothing on the inside. Somebody said, well, maybe there's a few drops left. It's still worth something. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in that story, I remember we were talking about the evolution of humidification systems. Back then, Dunhill used little vials with gold tops and you'd fill it with water and very inadequate. Uh, but it was just enough to keep the cigar maybe at 60% or 61%. And then how we've evolved and changed uh, with the advent of the Credo system and the Bovida and the disposable humidification systems. Um, so, you know, we, we now really, and I think that probably helped a lot with people enjoying cigars more mainstream because you, you, they wouldn't unravel and they'd be properly kept and you wouldn't get annoyed because nobody wants to have a cigar that's too dry or too brittle. And on the flip side, I would rather have it dry than too wet. So if it goes the other side, then, then it then it's you know you're in you're in I, trouble. I agree. You're also then you're saying I hate this experience. I'm never coming back to cigars. You know. Yeah. You know, Daniel. One thing I got to just mention, Bear, if I if I could jump in on this one. Um, I was uh I did a show with Jeff Borshowitz. Bear, you weren't in at this one. Um, and that was, a, uh, it was that show that I wasn't a part. It was on primetime. It was the first one. No, no, I was I was at Jeff's office. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was the one because of the uh, pandemic. And I I saw something on Jeff's desk. I knew exactly what it was. And it was the FSG humidor. And I saw a comment earlier on. So I wanted to mention this. Uh, And it was amazing looking, Daniel. That thing is Jeff showed me the whole thing. And it was just beautiful. Beautiful well, what you did with the, with that wood in there. We, we can credit, yeah, we can credit Jeff with that very visionary idea um, because he has a very impressive collection of Scotch whiskeys. Oh I yeah, believe, I believe his wife is Scottish. Yeah, and uh, when he saw our Balvini humidor that I made from a barrel, a very old fifty year old barrel that aged twenty one year Balvini. Uh, that I got from the distillery from the Cooper over there, had it shipped to America and then we put it on the humidor. People love that. So when Jeff saw that, he immediately bought them for the shop. He sold so many of those uh, already. They're around $4,000 and they're real great collector pieces. And the original one I did where you open it up, it's the inside of the barrel. So it would infuse the Balvini whiskey into the cigar. So it was pretty, I, I created it. Uh, just as a showpiece where at Edward Shehekian and Eddie Shehekian Cigar Lounge in London, where we launched the Golden Cigar. Uh, we had all these Cuban, Cuban fanatics enjoying a Nicaraguan cigar covered in gold. And I made, and I had my friend Kirsten there with her brand ambassador from Balvini. And so it was a Balvini Daniel Marshall Golden Cigar night. And uh, I created the humidor for that. And then it took off and Jeff, uh, Jeff loved it. And then he said, hey, I have these old tobacco lasts uh, from Connecticut and uh, they're amazing. They're all different colors. And so we yeah. put them on the humidor and they're very collectible pieces. 
it's an unbelievable work of art. When you see it in person, it's it's, it's astonishing. And, and I saw it was mentioned in the chat, and I wanted to make sure we got that in there uh, as well. All right, Bear, you want one more thing, and then we could kind of wrap it up with Daniel, because I know we want to be he's sensitive to the time where he is right now. Absolutely. So the one of the, you know, the favorite things, um, another favorite thing about Daniel that I've really loved, loved about uh, just hearing your words uh, echoed in interviews that I've heard before and everything. One of my favorite appearances by you was, uh, and this is actually not even my second interview. This is technically my third because I had the great privilege of being a part of the amazing project, which was the one year anniversary celebration of the meet the professor podcast. Yes. And uh, during that, uh, select members of the media hosted an hour or two. Coop was a part of that as well. And uh, during my hour uh, with Richard Meyer, oh, yeah. my, my Berg, uh, I had a very special impromptu guest uh, where you <laughs> popped on in a hot tub, no less. Yes. <laughs> and I got to ask you a question that I've been that I was really uh, excited about, which was about the campfire concept. Yep. Now, th- I first heard you talk about this in the documentary Hand Rolled about how you know the 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 community of cigars and how it brings us all together and how it reminded you of a campfire in the caveman days so dive in here i don't want to take your words from you because you say it so much better than me go the daniel marshall campfire concept please talk to us a little bit about that well uh it happened at the same event in london where i was really really touched you have to understand to be in london to be with such beautiful people to be with the Shahakians who have the Davidoff uh, shop there. They're legends in our industry. And it was such an honor and a privilege to have that moment uh, there. And I got up to say my two cents to the group, packed, sold out uh, lounge that we are all, everyone with the gold cigar. And I just was so kind of like feeling the moment. I didn't think about what I was going to say, but I said, what we're doing here is enjoying the modern day campfire. I said, this is, this is in our DNA. This smoke, this, that, this whole fire thing, uh, the fact of being able to slow down for a second and meet each other as one, this is in our DNA. So I said, campfire, this is, this is why we like cigars. This is why you can go to anyone in any country on every, any social level or financial level and Give them a cigar, enjoy a cigar with them, and they will share time with you and ideas with you. It's amazing. And it doesn't happen, I think, in anything else in the world because it's so primitive and so old and such a spiritual, revered um, uh, opportunity, I think, you know, to be able to share, taste beautiful smoke with people and then uh, slow down and get to enjoy the moment. So I... That's where the whole idea of the campfire came around. And I said, well, that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's to enjoy the campfire. And now we have modern day campfire events around the world. And I love making them, you know, really special with a lot of press and a lot of mainstream yeah. press and uh, a lot of interesting people. I love inviting men, women, people of all ages, all creeds, all hobbies, habits, jobs, and putting everything together. And it just makes it, worth all the effort to be in this industry and just it's the most fun thing ever is to sit down and enjoy cigars like we're doing right now and sharing stories um so this this is kind of where the campfire thing came and then it evolved into a campfire club so we have our own uh, 
membership campfire club, which people love. They get points for everything they purchase, very generous allocation. Uh, so people, I love when they, they, uh, they get a lighter or a cutter or a, some people save enough points, they get a free humidor. So it's a free gold cigar, for example. We have one collector of our pieces. I cannot even tell you how many gold cigars that guy has gotten. He's collecting one of everything. He keeps writing us, he's, he's on the East Coast. He says, so what do you have in the archives? What's new? I want a Scarface humidor. You know, we have to go out and buy these humidors that are old that we don't even have. I don't have any more Scarface humidors. I go buy them from people selling them <laughs> and then I can offer them and resell them. Uh, I found a governor seal humidor. Somebody sold it. It was given to a footballer by Governor Schwarzenegger called Yamal Lewis. And yep. the woman Great. sold it for three, $300. And I, I have searches for this stuff. So I immediately bought it. And, uh, you know, I sold it on to this collector for a lot more than $300. Oh, <laughs> I bet. That's good. That's awesome. But uh, I'll leave one last story. Uh, but I think it's kind of funny because humidors can be used not only for humidification, but they can use to keep humidity out. And that sounds really crazy. But when Marlon Brando called my office, I'd say it was late 80s. And he said, I hear you make humidors and I want to have two of your biggest humidors. And I said, first of all, Mr. Brando, you're like a major hero of mine because you had that island in Tahiti and you were on mutiny on the bounty and I'm a sail free, sailing freak and I wanted to sail back to Tahiti. And he said, yeah, well, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to take two humidors and bring them to my island uh, in Tahiti. But I says, but I didn't know you like cigars or know anything about cigars. He says, I don't know anything about cigars, but I do know that my scripts in the island get destroyed from the humidity. So I'm going to use your humidor and I'm going to put my scripts in the humidors and oh. to keep the humidity out. Wow. <laughs> so, that was a funny story. I thought. That, that is, that is all. Aw that's awesome, Daniel. All right. Uh, before we kind of let you go, let's do the final giveaway, Daniel, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. What is the, Oh, the final, I was just saying, Oh my God. There is nothing left, but there is there, left. There is one thing. There's, there's a diamond. There's a precious, a precious. To me, it's the most precious jewel of a cigar. There it is. Yep. The that 38th is. anniversary masterpiece by Carlos Fuente and his beautiful family. There you go. All, all right. So we gotta we gotta pick something interesting here. Um. Bear, what should we go with this fifth birthday? This, how should we do this one? Like who's born on uh, New Year's Eve? This is the kind of cigar you celebrate on That's New perfect. Year's Eve. That's perfect. New Year's this Eve. The... <laughs> New closest, Year's yeah, closest to New Year's Eve, December yeah. 31st. Yeah. And I may be okay. validating some of these guys because these are big prizes here. So go uh, <laughs> so honest here is what I'm telling you. Uh, so And they hashtag that with the closest birthday to New Year's Eve with the hashtag DM5. <laughs> all right all right hashtag DM5. nobody wants it if nobody wants it that's fine because uh... if nobody wants it yeah uh, no, <laughs> people if nobody in. wants it i'm sure i would take it i would take yeah. one for the team gladly yeah. gladly yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right all right no. thank you guys for doing this i'll be sure to send you some a care package i appreciate it daniel thank you so much i mean we've got to have you back there's so much we didn't cover 
but we really do appreciate your time. The support you've given us over the years as well uh, is not unnoticed. Um, And thank you for all you've done for this industry. Uh, It's really, uh, there's so much give back and so much that you've done to positively promote this industry. Um, I'm so glad we had a chance to have you on tonight. For sure. But uh, actually the, the gifts and the privileges I've been on the taking end because you guys have taken all our press releases and put them out and told our stories because as a friend always told me, you could have the best product in the world, but if you don't have the press talking about it, you're nothing. We tell everyone in the industry that yes. (laughs) Thank you both. Thank you both for supporting our industry. And without you, we would be nothing. And we would, uh, nobody would know where to go. And uh, I think, just to leave it on one note, uh, the thing that people always need to be remi- reminding ourselves, but also others, that we do not smoke. So if somebody asks, you smoke cigars? I say, no, I don't smoke cigars. We taste cigars. <laughs> I love it. And there's a huge difference. Big, big difference. If, if I may, Daniel, uh, to say goodbye, I just want to say, you know, a lesson to everyone that watches and everyone that's going to listen to this later, you know, from a son of an avocado farmer who had a love of the ocean and a love of sailing to have the tremendous success and have all the relationships that you've built over not even a lifetime, because it's not like it's even over. No, uh, is it <laughs> is a lesson is a lesson in, in futility and a lesson in perseverance that we should all uh, strive to have. So you're an, you're an inspiration, Daniel, sincerely. Well, and thank, thank you. you, you are. Absolutely. And you guys are too. And I'm really proud of what you're doing and everything that you do. And uh, just keep it lit and keep it going. And uh, really, everybody out there, it's been such a pleasure. Appreciate it, Daniel. Thank you, Thank you so much. Uh, have a safe rest of the year. I know we'll catch up at sometime soon, hopefully in person. Absolutely. Can't wait. All right. That is the one you and only it. Daniel Marshall. And thanks to the Lone Wolf Cigar Lounge as well for hosting yeah, thank him Thank you, David. Staying yep. two hours late. Two hours late. We, I know we went over, Daniel, and we, we tried to move, but there was so much. So thank you for your time as well. We do appreciate All it. All right. Thank you, guys. Take, Take care. care. All right. Bye-bye. That's the one and only Daniel yeah. the Marshall. Gifts are, the gifts are on the way, okay? I need the addresses, and we send them out. Yep. I'm going to work <laughs> on that. Yep. You'll have those in the next couple okay. of days. All right. Thank awesome. you very much. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. That's Daniel Marshall. Uh, hey, Bear, just so you know, uh, there's a gift coming your way as well. <laughs> so I have something already to give you of this so, uh, from Daniel. So we'll, we'll get that to you as well. But I'm going to I'm going to make you uh, I'm going to make you squirm what it is. So. <laughs> oh, OK. Teaser. Gonna... Hashtag, right. hashtag hashtag DM six. <laughs> yeah, right. Let me. All right, so let me kind of do the next round of sponsor. We have much more coming up on this show, guys, here. And I'll remind people kind of came in late i'm going to give a i'll I'll run down the contest one more time uh after the sponsor break so people who maybe came in late they could get another shot at this all right so uh all right so let me mention uh tailored smoke located in the heart of downtown charlotte's uh epicenter and now outside the charlotte motor speedway in concord north carolina tailored smoke is your one-stop shop for tailored smoking experience and by jre tobacco the authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the gauge of old gauge of cigars in Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamistran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. 
With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son Husto bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade, Cameroon, or Bono wrapper representing the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your retail, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco. Legacy is tasted in every drawer. And we'll mention, we just talked about them, Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, we take pride in the fact that we are cigar fanatics just like you. That is why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, we have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers like Padron, Avo, LFD, Drew Estate, Arturo Fuente, Perdomo, and Oliva. They have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take our word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as the best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted top five internet cigar retail by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Ficcinato wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at www.coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's four central Florida superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate ex- cigar experience. I also want to mention uh, Aganorsa Leaf. Uh, we're running the Aganorsa Leaf Experience Series on Cigar Coop. This uh, month, we're highlighting Aganorsa's um, TPE releases, and they had several releases at the TPE. Uh, you go on to the sidebar on um, Cigar Coop. That will take you to the Aganorsa Leaf YouTube page, and they have some great videos by the one and only Terrence Riley uh, navigating you through a lot of content, and then we'll fo- we focus on this month's video again on the TPE releases. Uh, we're going to get into an Alec Bradley segment uh, sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live true. So I'm going to run down before we get into the Alec Bradley segment. Uh, for folks who may have come on late, uh, didn't hear it, I'm going to give another shot to win the five Daniel Marshall prizes. And I'll, I'll run down what they are. And um, tell you what the prizes. So the first, do that, I'm going to take a quick break. Okay. That's okay. Go ahead, Bear. That's no problem at all. So the first prize that we are giving away um, in this set is, and I'm I'll actually let me put this up on the screen so folks could see everything as well, because um, I think that always a visual always helps. And Daniel actually gave us the visuals during here. So uh, the first thing we are giving away here is the 38 years Daniel Marshall commemorative cigar book signed by Daniel Marshall. Uh, Go into the uh, go into the Facebook Live in the chat and put your birthday in with hashtag DM1. Closest birthday to today wins that. And I may actually ask for proof. The second uh, item is the uh, DM Cigar Enhancer. That includes the Golden Cutter, which actually I have one of these here. Um, uh, the uh, lighter and uh, the cigar enhancer cedar spills. Um, it's the second closest birthday um, to today. Uh, hashtag DM2 for that. So you put the in, in, in DM2, your birthday, uh, and that's for that prize. Uh, the third prize is uh, a box of Daniel Marshall Red Label Cigar Coronas aged one year. Um, and you're going to hashtag that with DM3 with your birthday. This is the closest birthday to July 4th. That's on there. Um, the fourth one is the Cigar Arc Humidor, signed by Daniel Marshall. Uh, that's the closest to Bear's birthday. 
And that is um, going to be October 26th. So you hashtag that with DM4. And finally, the rare Daniel Marshall Colito Fuente 38th anniversary cigar. Um, I said that is a rarity. And uh, that one is going to be, uh, you put in, that's going to be closest birthday to New Year's Eve, which is December 31st. Hashtag that with DM5. So again, we appreciate everyone uh, kind of getting in on that contest right now. Um, Bear and I are going to be uh, just, you know, we're going to do another segment once he gets back. Uh, we're going to cover, uh, we're going to look back at Carlos uh, A. Tarano's, uh life a bit, uh, reflect on that a bit. He passed away this week. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, to kind of keep it going. And we kind of, this is good news is what we will do is we will, I'm just going to kind of go through another couple of sponsor reads so we can kind of get those going and, and pay the bills here on that. Um, so I want to mention uh, JC Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 126 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At this factory known as Elver Hole, J.C. Newman rolls premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pensa Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, Pillar de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco or A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. So, all right, welcome back, Bear. Um, and we're going to, uh, I kind of just went through another read, so we kind of move things. Um, and I know you're freezing there, but uh, before we kind of get into that, Bear, that was just an amazing segment with Daniel. We could have went like six hours with him. Just oh, make, my gosh. Stories were incredible. And uh, Bear, you really put a lot of background into the uh, I got thank you. You did a lot of good background stuff for this interview, too. Uh, it was funny because he started some of the stuff you had in the notes. He went right into, which was really right. I, right. I didn't know some of these stories, which were amazing. You, you had a little more knowledge than some of these stories. I had a few knowledge on others, but you did a really good job. And I said, thank you very much. Oh, it was, well, it was certainly a pleasure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, his, I mean, his story is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It, 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 it reads, it reads like a, it reads like a Victorian novel. Yeah. Like is really what it does. Yeah. And that's his life story. And it's, 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 it's very much reality. And, you know, my parting words to him were, you know, words of gratitude because, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's the American dream, man. I mean, it, it is son of an avocado farmer who loves surfing and had this dream of sailing around the world. Did he realize that dream? No, but he lives, he, he lives in another one. He lives another one, you know, and it's, I mean, what he's, you know, even though it was very sad to hear about what happened to the sailboat, I did not know that. I did no, not know I, that I, mean, I didn't know. It was a great question. I can't, yeah. So, uh, no, uh, appreciate. Yeah, that was all good. Um, you know, for our Live True segment, uh, you and I, uh, a lot of times we do reflect on when industry icons pass away. And uh, we had a big one pass away this month. Um, Carlos A. Tarano, um, a, a guy, you know, if you've heard of the Carlos Tarano cigars, the Tarano brand, 
Um, Carlos A. Tarano was um, a uh, – he's just in a – I mean, he, he really – I don't think people realize the impact he had. And, um, he, you know, even though Tarano is not, I would say, a active brick-and-mortar brand anymore, which is kind of a sad thing in itself, um, we, did lose, we did lose someone, which I would call a true legend in this industry. It's, and I'll just say, I did have a chance to meet Carlos Tarano. Once I met him at my first trade show, he couldn't have been nicer to me. Uh, down the earth guy. Um, and you know, he really, he was 78. He really wasn't that old when you think about it. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it surprised a lot of people. Um, and I just, like I said, I look at this whole story of his, like, you know, we'll, we'll get into that, but I mean, he worked in so many aspects grower. He started out, his family was growers, right. Then they yeah. became, then they became, uh, tobacco brokers and then they became cigar brokers then they had a factory and eventually he put his name on a brand that really had some iconic cigars that i really miss these cigars i mean these were just it's a shame that i'm not trying to knock anything what happened but it is a shame we don't have these cigars on the market anymore because there's some epic epic blends out there 100 percent. yeah um you know i i actually have the opportunity to meet his son charlie very i've met charlie several times briefly i've interviewed charlie as well right i've i've met him very very briefly and um so the 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 cigar shop that i worked at in uh and attend you know and went to all throughout college uh pop safari uh proprietor uh perry tong who we lost last year uh was the first tarano account in the state of texas uh, when they made the brand. And so I had a chance to meet Charlie very, very briefly. I was very young, had no idea who he was, had no idea about the story or the lineage or anything. And so it's like reflective upon that is, is to reflect on the whole Tarano family story. And, and you're right, this is an impactful loss for the industry in, in, in a lot of different ways. It, it's, it's, it is very sad um, because, you know, he was, he was a third generation. Yep tobacco man and what his family you know for a brand that's you know all but disappeared in the brick and mortar the family Toronto is you know is you know is synonymous with those names that came out of cuba during the the great exodus you know they, they in fact they named the cigar the exodus right what a cigar what a what a brand that, that became not just one cigar those were amazing those four blends they did were amazing mm-hmm and, you know, to, to rise up from the ashes, you know, of such, of such tragedy, you know, like we, we, we lamented on this uh, when we did the show about Jorge Orlando Padron yeah. and his passing. And we talked about how a lot of these stories are very similar, you know, the Placencia family, the Padron family. Um, a lot of these stories are very similar um, because they all had, they all had to reinvent themselves. They all had to like a phoenix rise from rise from the ashes not to keep using that metaphor but um you know the Tarano family was 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 synonymous with those names and what they meant to the island of cuba and what they did for the tobacco industry and the cigar industry over generations and you know uh charlie was the fourth generation of course and you know you know it, it lives it lives on you know in jack who's still a part of the industry yeah um, in a, in a, in a small way, but it's, you know, to, to lose a man, uh, like Carlos 
is you know to lose a, a small part of the history of, of of our great industry and and his loss i know is deeply felt by a lot of people and um you know um he you know he was a he was a great man of, and and he'd been retired for a while even before the Tarano brand was sold um so you know for you know in terms of the limelight he never got to experience what we refer to as the cigar celebrity era i think i think he missed that by he kind of just met, he kind of just met, he, you know he did do that he did do the falls of sun tour with charlie in 2009 but i think that was still before we had this big cigar celebrity era you're right so i think uh there's a lot there's a whole generation of smokers that'll never know the impact that he had which yeah. is really sad and even the you know even a lot of our audience you know may not be uh who know, you know familiar familiar yeah. with with it and, and and feel the impact that he did it's 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 kind of similar along the uh the the pathway of like um yano uh Ozgener too yeah you know just who he worked who he worked humans. with they work and he worked with yano. and they were yeah that's yeah, yeah the, i was gonna say right there you, you hit the nail on the head there could yeah. be a real nice correlation there they work together and um yeah and, and you got to you got to meet him yeah um that's a picture from the 2010 show that was his last trade show i think it was he may have been at one other but i believe this was the one where they they transitioned the brand from carlos Tarano to Tarano family that was a big show for them where that's when Char charlie was already now at the helm but this is now charlie going forward with with the brand after that and, uh, you know, I feel for these guys, um, you know, and like I said, I know Jack and, you know, what's great is we still have Jack as a Tarano in, in the in the business. Uh, as sad as it is that there isn't a Tarano cigar in the in the brick and mortar space, I'll say, or it's not as active in the brick and mortar space anymore. Um, you know, I just, uh, you know, it's just these were really good blends that they were creating. Like, you know, oh, he was involved with some of the best. Yeah. I mean, we Casa, Casa Tarano, um, you know, the, the, the camera, the, the virtuoso, the virtual, I have a virtuoso the, box hanging. You can't see it. I can't move it, but I have it hanging in my garage. The uh, finite, the finite was probably Jack and I were just talk, ever did. Jack and I were just talking about the finite when he was in Charlotte. Um, and I have I have a couple left of those. Um, and it was like, you know, what's funny. That cigar, it, it probably should have ranked higher. Right. I don't know why it came in at number 11. I still don't know. But it but it ranked after the sale happened. Everybody makes mistakes. Coop. It's okay. Yeah, because I look at that I'm like that, that finite. That's that. Um, it's just an incredible cigar. Um, I've gotten Beautiful. to know Charlie. I mean, I tell you what, the interview I did with Charlie Tarano with Aaron is still ranks. I think I always talk about when I say best interviews, that one's always on that. You can't just say one because we've had so many good ones as a team over the years, but that one was incredible. Um, oh, it's still one of my favorite shows y'all do. Yeah, still it, one was, of my favorite prime it, it was, uh, yeah, it, you had to just be in that room. Aaron wasn't even in that room that night and uh, the magic that it was. So, uh, and it kind of brought closure in a lot of ways to Tarano cigars, mm. um, you know, and, and look, I'll say this. Jack did a hell of a job keeping that brand alive for general is what I'll just say. He really did. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I bear, you hit a really good point. I want to go back to it was before there was a cigar celebrity, which is very interesting. I didn't think it actually just said this. 
Um, because I guarantee you, you know, he could have probably been a rock star right up until he died. You know, he didn't, you know. No, absolutely. I, I think, like I said, I think there's a, there's a huge gap left in our history. Um, you know, I had the, as, as you know, I had the privilege of, of interviewing Carlito Fuente uh, on my 200 take on Sunday. And he had that very famous uh, quote that he gave us on the first time that we had him interviewed. If you don't document your history, it can be lost to the ages. And, and this is our opportunity, I think, to remember, in, you know, remember the great memory that is Carlos Tarano and to tell the story so that it's not lost. Um, because, he, again, the impact that he had on this industry and is, is incredible. So I'll tell, I'll tell you one other so, a side story about mm-hmm. Toronto. So one of one of, I guess one of the biggest, I guess you can almost call them fanboys of the Toronto brands, the Toronto blends, and of Carlos himself is Skip Martin, of Romacraft. Yeah. Oh yeah. Skip has uh has long lauded over what you know Toronto's work and and how it, what it meant to him yeah. as in his in his journey and um. And you look at you look at Romacraft cigars, and you're like, well, there's nothing there's nothing really remotely close to, you know, what kind of made Toronto blends. But I'm like, but it doesn't have to be. That's 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 Skip Martin's story. But yeah. part of Skip's story and Mike Rosales's story is Carlos Toronto's story, and it'll always be part of that fabric, which is really great. And um, there's so many. I mean, that's just one but there's so many people in this industry that have have that respect for, for Carlos Serrano and his family and what they, what they meant to this industry. And it's um, it's important to keep telling these stories that, so even like we said, while it might be tragic that the brand is no longer on the brick and mortar shelf, it doesn't mean that the impact is any less. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I I suppose general can make that choice someday to put it back into the brick and mortar sector. I mean, they still own it. So that's why I don't want to say it's dead. Um, this is, you know, they have this, and they have some iconic brands in there. Um, Start a petition, Coop. <laughs> yeah. Um, question for you, and you could be totally honest on this: uh, Is Carlos Tarano a Hall of Famer? I think. In the, yeah, in the world. Okay, so in the. We've never talked it, about him on a Hall of Fame show. That's why I was kind of wondering. And it's kind of a name I think we overlooked. No, I, I think you're right, Coop. I think, you know, it's it, the funny thing about death is that a lot of times, you know, you look reflectively on it more yeah. positively than when they were alive. And that's, again, that's part of the tragedy, right, of Carlos Serrano. Um, I would I would, I would absolutely say that he's a Cigar Hall of Fame. I do too. Um, I do too. I, it, it being candid, I would say that his son is not, but it was just more time and tenure. But I think, again, Charlie's Charlie's legacy is is in the family name. And so he's very much a part of that. And he's very much a part of making yeah. that case for his father to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, I think his father worked on so many different aspects and, and was so instrumental in so many different areas. Now, with Charlie, he really didn't have the time. I mean, he was he worked with his father for a long time, but when he was like at the helm solo, he really only had about a four year period. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that it takes a long time to kind of develop that. And, you know, it's funny because finite was one of the last things they released. Um, and you know, I think this was something like one of the great Tarano cigars that came out. And that was really under Charlie's tutelage, that cigar, the vault sure. series, the original, I'm talking the original, those original vaults, right? Yeah. Those two original the, vaults. The good, the good ones. Yes. Yes. Well, the blue label, <laughs> that blue label from general was, was a very good cigar, but, but those vaults were really good. So, who knows if Charlie had stuck with it till today, I think we would have really seen some great stuff out of Toronto. He chose it was the right time to sell at that point. So I'm not judging that, but I think with four years, I, you know, it, it takes a while. Um, and, uh, but I think he certainly could have become a hall of famer, his son, you know, but I, yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. It, it, I just think he didn't have enough time at the helm, you know, solo it was father kind of uh, retired. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, and then that's not. Please don't mistake that that comment. It's not. No, I, I, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I exactly. But when you look at we, we've had this conversation every year, right? When in our baseball chat about baseball Hall of Fame, there's there's Hall, there's like Hall of Great and there's Hall of Fame, and and you know, there's there's beloved individuals in baseball, and there's beloved individuals in the cigar industry uh, that aren't Hall of Famers, but they they know they still have an impact on this industry. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing that I found really interesting about Carlos Tarano is how many countries he worked in, you know, it was the big three outside of Cuba, you know, uh, the Dominican Republic, uh, Honduras and Nicaragua. I mean, so he was involved with, with cigar making in at different points of his career or, or different, not cigar making, but in the cigar business at different points of his career in all three of those countries. So, you know, I think that that's an important thing, too. There's not a lot of like guys out there who, who have that. I mean, there are some, but, you know, I think it's still a small list. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Carlos Tarano, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace. Prayers and thoughts to the whole Tarano family. Good people. Indeed. And there as well. Charlie, uh, Carlos Yaka. Can't forget about him. Jack, of course. Um, and. Uh, um, you know, I think his memory will live on. I'd love to see, love to see the Exodus 1959 come back. One of the great hour Paraca cigars. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I miss that. You know, you take these, sometimes, you know, you take cigars for granted sometimes how long they'll be on the market too. We talk about stuff goes away, you know, comes and goes, but then there's stuff that's out there. And now you, you realize, I really miss that. Those Casa Taranos. I miss a lot of those cigars. Cause you couldn't have, you couldn't have said it better. Um, that is that'll be the ultimate taken for granted cigar. It was the, it, what we just took it for granted that that would always be there, even after General acquired it, and then it just didn't happen. And I'm like, we they came out with that one Exodus, which I'm sorry was terrible. <laughs> I, I don't mean the, but that had nothing to do, at that point. It had nothing to do with the Taranos, so that's why I'm not going to Tarano family. That was just a miss that the one that General did. I didn't like that one. I agree. Yeah. 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 All right. That was our Alec Bradley Live True segment. Sponsored by Alec Bradley. Um, so Bear, you're going to get a chance to do your first Soprano segment with us. You haven't done this one. Um, okay. so this is something that Aaron and I have been doing for about eight months right now. Um, and it's a very simple one tonight, right? Because there was a lot of talk about this. Uh, and it was the probably the most talked about commercial out of the Super Bowl this year. Um, and it was the the... The Chevrolet commercial, Chevrolet, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Chevy. Um, and uh, like the it, rock. And they, yep. And they recreated the iconic drive that Tony Soprano takes uh, out of the Lincoln Tunnel and uh, into New Jersey with uh, Jamie Lee Sigler as Meadow. Um, I'm going to ask you for your thoughts because I have some thoughts after that. I don't know if it could be as popular. So, <laughs> of it. well, I mean, they missed the whole thing because they, they neither one of them were, puff, you know, puffing on a cigar. Uh, OK, so, thank I you. Mean, could you have put so, Meadow with the cigar? I, it, I mean, you can't do that on public television, man. You could can't you make just have a hold of cigar at least. Oh, no, you can't. Yeah, no, you put no, lipstick. Oh, my goodness. Nope. It, that was a no. whole. I know. But that's the whole thing that was. I understand. Uh, I guess I understand. you're right. Yeah, it was a miss. It was it a miss. A, oh, so, oh, no. How great would that have been if Meadow was puffing on a cigar? Is all I gotta say. Maybe they can put they can release the edit the unedited version on YouTube or something. Yeah. No, I think I, I um I think for Soprano fans, like I know that you are, um yeah. it it's it probably was it was it it probably it probably brought a smirk or a smile to your face and it was it was it was nice to it it, it was a nice homage to uh to the late james gandolfini um in, in a way and then also uh it brought a lot of nostalgia for a lot of soprano fans and then also to incorporate it with an advertisement in the world's biggest yeah. stage which is the super bowl each year for commercials and um so by that aspect i thought it was it was a nice a nice little tribute i it, it obviously missed the cigar is a miss a huge missing part of that um it's like um I, I was trying to find a comparison because I knew this topic was coming up tonight. Coop. I was trying to find a comparison. It'd be like doing this really isn't a fair comparison, but it would be like, I, it would be like um, doing a homage to, um, Oh gosh, I can't even think of anything really like, but you're just you're just missing that piece like you're missing that one thing that 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 makes it like like that makes it a copy of it and it, it's the it's the great editing of history we talk about we talk about this a lot and how um the removal of certain things in history like um do you, okay okay so to keep it relative on this point have you ever seen the movie thank you for smoking yeah okay so there's a there's a there's a uh there's a uh a, a scene in that where he's talking about how Hollywood starts whitewashing uh, cigarettes out of, out, out of, uh, out of film. And it's an exaggeration. It's not, it's not necessarily true uh, to a certain extent, but there's a lot of that too, where they take uh, cigarettes out of uh, actors hands in, in scenes and they put, they replace it with something else. That's not a cigarette. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's it's comical but it's also it's also tragic at the same point like i'm not a cigarette smoker i never have i've never smoked a cigarette i've I've talked about that before but it it's you can't you can't remove something that that's a part of history let's just call the surprise what it is you can't remove something out of history and expect to to really pay really true respect to it. I mean, yeah. I mean the the general public's hatred towards tobacco notwithstanding and I'm not going to get on a soapbox here. But even with that, like it's it just didn't it felt incomplete. That's the best way to put it. it yeah, yeah, I I I think that, you know, I guess from our point of view, right? 
as cigar enthusiasts, it was incomplete. Right. Um, I th- just thought that the, I mean, here's the thing. It was a, I'm not, I never get into the Super Bowl commercials as much as a lot of other people did, <laughs> but, but, uh, but there have been some good ones. That was probably the most noteworthy commercial of a series of commercials that wouldn't, were non-memorable uh, for the most part. Right. So it was the one that, look, it did resonate with me when I saw it, it was there, but you know, then I started seeing people trying to compare that commercial and start to say, well, we could do the Sopranos, you know, the Sopranos live on, you know, there was this, this whole thing about them living on. And, you know, we know that, you know, Meadow didn't, you know, Meadow survives Anthony Jr. Survived. But this idea that Meadow is like in the Tony role was just, it's just unrealistic. And I'm not trying to be anti-female or anything. It's so unrealistic. You're well, not I didn't even do think that until you brought it up. Way to out yourself. I wasn't even pe- thinking about that. But people have brought this up. I guess I've, I've seen talk on this, right? It, it's just, it's, it's not real. Oh, how it's anti-female for people who didn't like it? Well, no, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying the idea of Meadow driving that car, right? Is like, is, I, is analogous to Tony driving the car. Tony's the boss. Meadow's not the boss here is what I'm kind of saying. Oh, gotcha. Other family. Okay. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if it's going to offend feminists here. It's just not going to happen. It, it, the, the, you know, maybe someday. I think if this was in Italy, it's another story, right? There have been female. I think in the U.S. we're not ready for that yet. Um, so, but I didn't put anything like, oh, let's do, you know, you know, I, I just didn't see this like resurrection of the Sopranos coming out of this. Um, I just saw it as kind of a humorous skit. Is what I saw. And then they kind of, yeah. you know, Meadow puts the uh, electric electric thing in the car. You know, um, I did like how they did the generational. I think that was a very effective tool in the commercial, though, the generational thing. Uh, and then they just had Anthony Jr. looking stupid, as always. And, every, you know, he just he, that, that kid was a stupid character from the beginning. And he just looked continually stupid is what he looked. Tell us how you really feel, Coop. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, so but. But it was still cool that they showed all the, the there was a couple of other little things I saw in the commercial, like the easy pass lanes now, but where, where Tony gets the ticket. Right. So you don't grow up in New, York, in, in New Jersey. Yeah, the toll booth. Yeah, the toll booth. Yeah. yeah the thing is, what you would do is you, you when you got on the New Jersey turnpike, you grab a ticket. Right. And that ticket would when you got to the exit, you'd hand in the ticket. And then you they would that you pay that amount for the ticket. And that's how they determine what you had to pay. Now they showed her with the easy pass lane. I'm like, okay, they're showing, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to update it a bit, which I, I got. I, I totally get that. Because uh, back when Tony was driving the New Jersey Turnpike, um, easy pass was just starting in New York. And easy pass, I think, came to New York like 96, 97. It didn't hit the Turnpike till several years later. I think it was probably right when the show got off the air is when it came to the turnpike. So, um, so I, I, like I said, I, I wasn't like wowed by this commercial. I thought, okay, it's an effective tool, but it wasn't something that really, it, it took us, you hit the nostalgia piece. I think you, you hit it on the head. It was a little more nostalgic than anything. Yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, could not to, not to nitpick it or everything. I, I think, you know, Nothing will ever. I think it's the it's the old rule about the sequel, man. Nothing will ever be as good as the original. And 
you know, unless we're talking about um, oceans, 11, 12 and 13. Right. But I right. mean, there's there's just, you know, there's something to be said about sequels. It just it just never will be. It'll never be what the original is. And so, I, I mean, I applaud the attempt, I suppose, uh, by Chevy. But you also just can't whitewash things all the time and, and, and expect it to have the same effect. And yeah. It just, like you said, like I said, it was incomplete. That's just the way it, that, I mean, that, that's, that's just the way it is. That's kind of looked at me. I, I think incomplete was a good word for it. But uh, I know I'm going to ask Aaron about this next, uh, next show when he's back. Uh, and uh, by the way, next show is Jay Davis is going to be on uh, 221 in two weeks. Uh, oh, and I know Jay's a Sopranos guy. So I know Jay's going to be here for the Sopranos segment. So we'll get some of his thoughts on that as well um, on that. So. But I'm oh, glad you got to participate in this week's segment here. All right, let's uh, we'll do is we'll do I'll finish up the sponsor plugs and then uh, we'll get into our Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust Industry Deliberation segment here. Um, so let me, of course, I don't have my stuff up. Okay, here we go. All right, I want to mention Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars with many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. Tried at Casa Cuevas, Connecticut, Casa Cuevas Habano, Casa Cuevas Maduro, La Mandaria, Patrimonio, as well as the Cuevas Reserve Line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask for your local retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our Casa de Yours. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura Explorer is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican rapper will delight the aficionado with his dark chocolate flavor. After a while and pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wooden sweetness from Ecuador. Try Adventura, the Explorer, and explore the wonderful experience. And finally, I want to mention um, uh, the Great Smoke. Uh, that's right, folks. This year's Mega Cigar event is Breaking Barriers once again returning with a live in-person event with a Hawaiian theme and broadcasting live virtually from the comfort of your own home. Michael Hercott will be reprising his role as co-host for the main event, broadcasting special segments from the Great Smoke on-site studio and in the field for all virtual attendees at home. Adding to more fun to the party every year, the Great Smoke 2022 will feature a whopping four days of pre-event parties, after parties, and across the main event itself. For those making the trek to the Sunshine State, like Bear and I, get out your favorite Hawaiian shirt and prepare to get laid. So, yeah, we will uh, look forward to getting together with you, Bear, in person for that um, coming up. You plan, on, you plan on getting laid, Coop? No. <laughs> That's, uh, no, I will have a Are, oh, are no. you going to rock a Hawaiian shirt? I, oh, shoot. I didn't pack the Hawaiian shirt. I had packed. I have a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I, I will be rocking a Hawaiian shirt. Yes. Yeah. I need, uh, to, I need to find mine. Yeah, I have. I don't know. If mine's <laughs> mine's going to be. I'm telling you, mine's going to be a little small on me, but. <laughs> But I'm oh man, I'm so glad you said that because I I just realized I didn't pack the wine shirt, and I packed I'm because I'm, I'm leaving for Florida tomorrow, going to the DR, and then I come back to Florida for the Great Smoke. All right, all right. So let's get into our industry uh, talk deliberation segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There is no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included. Seven consecutive top three appearances on the consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Meat Carita Tricky Traca. Visit DTT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, yeah, I had to update the ad now because it's seven years in a row. Seven consecutive years. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, Bear, we, Aaron and I did talk about this topic, but you and I haven't. And I think there's been things that have happened since this story broke. And 
I think this is going to become the big story of 2022 for sure in the industry. And it was PCA's statement on responsible marketing. Right. Um, I know folks didn't catch Bear's show uh, with Carlito Fuente. Take 200. Uh, make sure you go watch that. Carlito and Bear talk about this topic uh, and did a really good job on it. So, so Bear, we haven't really talked much about this. Um, what were your thought and initial impressions when that statement was made by the PCA? Um, so I'm going to, I'll, I'll preface my remarks uh, by saying how I think that, um, that like overall, um, overall it's, it was positive to see a, a, a press release or a statement come out, uh, particularly on this subject. I do too. Because this is a topic that we've talked about. Um, we've actually talked about before Coop in the sense that there, um, and we've mentioned it to certain and specific guests and, and, and certain, and, and other individuals about how marketing cigars can potentially inflict undue harm on the industry because it puts the spotlight, unfortunately, negatively in some places. Now, um, so to take on the topic of responsible marketing, you know, that's, that's asking a lot of certain companies, certain individuals, because by and large, that's a lot of what they do is, is this kind of, um, I'll, I'll quote, I'll quote one of the individuals in particular, it's taking the fun away from what they're doing, according to that. Well, it's a lot of individuals. So me, and, they told me that they told me that. And, 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 and fun is such a general term and everything. I, I find this industry fun without, without, uh, gimmicks. We've had the conversation about gimmicks. I, 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 I have a strong stance against gimmicks. Gimmicks don't work. Um, and we've had this conversation, we beat it at nauseum, but, um, to, to put that aside for the moment and talking about the statement itself, I, I do preface that I, I appreciated the PCA for putting a statement out about it. That being said, um, like previous statements on topics that needed stronger stances, I felt this was came up a little bit short. Um, I felt there were a couple of things in particularly that I was, not necessarily the biggest fan of. I thought the I thought they could have come out a lot stronger. Let me just read you an excerpt from the from the response uh, from yep. the responsible yep. marketing. So therefore, it is incumbent upon us not all not to to not only exercise common sense, discretion, responsibility, and at times restraint in our marketing and sales practices. Let's talk about that real quick. At times restraint. How about always restraint? Yeah. If we're going to take a stance and be for positive and responsible marketing, then we can't have the term at times restraint. If we're supposed to exercise restraint, then we need to restrain always and be responsible always. Responsibility doesn't happen every once in a while. Or at least it shouldn't be. It should be exercised. Now we've all made mistakes, Coop. We've all, you know, we have all made errors in judgment. We've all, we're no one here is perfect. And I'm certainly, you know, I'm certainly not going to cast aspersions on a company who makes a mistake or, you know, does something once and is like, oh, you know what, that probably wasn't the best call. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to nitpick and say that, you know what, you know. Their response, you know, I'm not going to wave my fist at them and, you know, and everything like that. But 
for a statement to be to have to start off really well it's incumbent upon us to exercise common sense discretion responsibility and then you have to throw at times and restraint and no it needs to be complete restraint and then it keeps going but to respectfully encourage respectfully encourage our peers and business partners to do the same no encouragement is something that I do with my six-year-old son when I don't want him to do something. I encourage him to do the right thing because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get him to do the right thing. And he's a developing mind and he's a six-year-old child. We're talking about adults and, and adult business owners and encourage is not the word respect. I'm okay with respectfully discourage them should be the words here respectfully respectfully discourage our peers and business partners from doing the same as one of the most heavily regulated and monitored industries here we go we should also examine how our marketing efforts may be perceived by those outside of the premium cigar industry boom nailed it yep that's the problem yep no restraint respectfully discourage because of the impact that those decisions and those mistakes and those errors in judgment can make on our industry as a whole. They nail it. They nail it in that. They nail it in that last remark. Therefore, again, marketing that makes us use of characters, foods, or candy associated with children's interests are never appropriate. Boom. I love it. When targeted toward an adult audience, even when targeted towards an adult audience, while such incidents are rare. Okay. <laughs> rare coop define rare for me Def your definition of rare i'm putting you on the spot what is william cooper's definition of the word rare and i take take it take it out of context the word rare just the word rare what does rare mean to you one out of a thousand. Oh, you're putting a number on it holy shit i was just yeah. i was looking for words but okay well, that's well, cool. but, but something that's well, not out, common so something out of a so okay so out of a rare thousand means incidents, this is something that yeah yeah this is very okay. rare like, yeah so out of a thousand incidents of whatever only one out of a thousand is rare to you okay you want to say one out of a hundred i'll say one out of a hundred but i mean you get where i'm going with that okay so one percent exception or... exception as opposed to common okay coop i'm going to put you on the spot again in the last in in 2022 in 40 roughly 45 days roughly how many examples of marketing we won't call it i'm not going to put the tagline irresponsible on it but marketing of what they're trying to discourage in this statement have you seen in 45 days about 7 have there been 7000 releases no. in 45 no. days there haven't been 700 either It's no. not rare. No. And that's that's a huge that's a huge yeah. misstep, I think, yeah. in the statement. And a huge misunderstanding. I don't think I don't think the PCA is under any disillusion to how rare or not rare it no, is. They, they, yeah. No, I think I, they're I, fully aware of the number of releases that are associated out there. And for them to put rare really um well, it's inaccurate. 
it's yeah. inaccurate. While such incidents are rare, are, such incidents are rare. They are, harm our future by feeding the misinformation of all tobacco. Beautiful. Put children and they put children at risk. Furthermore, they diminish the credibility of the industry before lawmakers and regulators in the states and in Washington D.C. It is not a goal of the Premium Cigar Association to stifle creativity. Great point. Great point. In the ranks of both both manufacturing and retail of premium cigars, but it is our duty. It is the duty of the association to protect the interest of the business of premium cigar retailing and call attention to those actions and put the industry that put the entire industry at risk. There are some amazing words in this statement. That's this is now, now, and to contextually put, there's a, there's a, there's much more to the statement, everyone. These are the two biggest ports for me. And these were the two biggest things that where you say the right thing, the accurate thing, you take the right stance with right, with one stand with one step. And then you take two steps back with another. That is the very definition of passive aggressive. So there have been certain, I agree with you on all that, right? So there have been certain companies that have been targeted at this and certain re, you know, brands, right? I'm not going to go through the, these, these usual suspects, but I am going to name a brand that one is I am very fond of the owner and I love what this owner does. But I reviewed one of his cigars and this was on November 26th. I reviewed this cigar. This is before the PCA segment. This is before we had Brian from Provada on. Who Brian's been obviously in the crosshairs on this, right? And I'm not going to, this is not to pick on Brian, but I'm going to go, but I want to say it's, it's not just these people who we're talking about, like the usual suspects, right? And I'm going to read you what I wrote on the review. And I'm going to tell you, you'll see if you know what the cigar is, the brand is. I wrote, when I finished this review, I wrote, before giving thoughts on the performance of this cigar, there is one point that needs to be made unrelated to the final score and rating. It's time to change the name Candy Cane. Don't get me wrong. I love the name and concept, but I just don't think this name helps us in the eyes of the ongoing war the cigar industry is having with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in terms of showing these products are not marketed to children. And that was the Viaje Candy Cane, which I love that cigar. I love the concept, but I kind of said I think it's time to retire that name because I think it just doesn't help us. You know, and that was one, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm close with Andre from, from I haven't talked to Andre about this yet. Um. And, and I, I look forward to it as a constructive conversation with Andre, not necessarily meant to knock it. Again, again I love the VI candy cane. It's one of my favorite seasonal releases, right? I don't want it to go away. Mm-hmm. The cigar is a very fun cigar to smoke. Mm-hmm. I just think that that name is not helping us right now. And I would hope that maybe they could change that name somehow. Um, just again, you know, it's just, and again, this is, look, the problem is this, right? And this is the argument I've heard there. Um, well, this is an argument I've heard from several people. Well, the only way you can get these cigars is you have to go into a brick and mortar, right? Or online. And the brick and mortar basically is not letting kids into the store. And the online has age verification, right? But that's not the problem. You mean the pop-up that asks me if I'm 21? Right. There are some that have, some have the pop-up, but some do have like, like there's certain sites like, Corona goes through a very strict age yeah, verification. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. there, there are some other ones. Yeah. But the, here's the problem. Okay. The problem isn't that the problem is these pictures are all over social media, right? At some point, the kids, and they're not on like, per, they're on personal pages that are not age verified. Like, and ultimately it can be seen by kids. 
right? It can be seen. That picture could be taken. So I'm just saying that picture can get its way into someone's hands on this, right? It, it, that, that's what I'm, and it could get, it could, it could show up at the FDA's office. It could show up at, at a politician's office, right? It, the problem is that stuff's out there, right? So it's, it, it, no, yes, you could give me the whole argument that every brick and mortar, and, and I've seen brick and mortars like kids in, right? And I've seen online, you, know, you mentioned the, the, the checkbox, right? But ultimately, mm-hmm. you could, you can, a kid can see that stuff, right? They can have access to it, right? Um, it may be tough for them to buy it, right? But, but I'm still kind of going down that route. I, I just think it's, it's not a good thing. The second thing is, and I heard McTavish, surgeon, talk about this. I heard Charlie talk about this. Well, what point does the FDA just like, you know, was is sitting down with the, like, we have people in the PCA lobbyists sitting down and they bring this shit up time and time again. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you defend it? Right. And then and it's not just like I said, it's not rare. And then what happens when the FDA just says, OK, guys. Look at look at this going on here. Let's just end this shit. And go to plain packaging. And we'll solve your problem for you. Right. That's where this That's is, I think, point. becoming. Yeah. And I, I heard Charlie say this. I heard surgeons say it. And they're 100 percent right. That's the problem here. Well, this is not, they, I don't think any cigar manufacturers intentionally or, or retail. I don't think there's anyone who intentionally markets to kids. But this is the problem. you're 100 percent. Yeah. No, 100 yeah, percent. And, that, and that's yeah. actually that's a very important note, Coop. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, you, you named a name and I, I haven't named any names and I'm not, I wasn't asking for. Only because I published this. This is published. So it's not like I didn't right. publish this. Well, this before all this happened, this is before all this happened, I said that. Right. And, and, and Jay Davis is in the chat and he's saying that they couldn't have named names and I'm not, I'm not asking for the, no, no, they shouldn't, they should call out publicly. I think that, no, I think that would be absolutely, we, you guys should not. And that's not fair. That's yeah. absolutely not fair. Yeah. Um, but, um, what I will say is that the, they, they can, they can make a hard sense because the, 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 the passive aggressive stance that they did take can be also used against us. Yeah. The FDA can take that statement um, or, or, or Jay says it's not, it wasn't a statement, excuse me, but they can take those words and they can use them against us. Well, you weren't really against it. You, you weren't, you weren't really, you were just encouraging people to act responsible. You weren't really taking a hard, you know, they can use the words against us. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just about, I'm not just saying like, Hey, call out the people. And I'm not saying name names and I'm not, because that would be irresponsible. That we told it. Yeah. We say contributors and, 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 and members. And, and, and I, I'm not, I, I, yeah. I think that does a disservice. So I'm, I'm in agreement with that, but what I am, what I am saying is that the, the, the lack of the lack of a hard, stance on something like this can also be used against us um and i i i go back to i go back to it's very you know it's very consistent with a lot of the pca remarks in 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 previous in previous issues for one that i go back to all the time that i'm still hurt over and i know i need to just get over it um because it's here and i just need to get over it but t21 well, yeah, we uh, we beat that one to death. Yeah, but that that there was also there were also similar passive remarks about it yeah. that we that we and you know I've I've had the discussion with Glenn on a public forum. I've had it with him privately as well. It's like you can't fight battles on multiple fronts. I get that. I understand, and it's still just unsatisfactory to me. Um, yeah. And 
I, I listen, I, I understand the tough task and the, 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 the waters that are tough to navigate yeah. when it comes to an organization like PCA. I really do. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not walking my statement yeah. back at all. No. I'm simply saying that this is an organization that we all look to yeah. with great admiration and great and deserved respect for the individuals that run it. And this is an industry that we all love. And I'm not questioning the love or the dedication of the individuals of PCA. What I'm simply saying is that if you're going to put out remarks like this and you're going to call for responsible marketing, then call for responsible marketing. Yeah, uh, and, Carli and Carlito has some very, Carlito's here by the way, and he's, uh, thanks for tuning in Carlito. Yeah, and he's had some comments, um, you know, and he, 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 you know, and he's a big supporter of PCA, so, but I think he felt it was weak as well. I mean, he did say it was weak, so, I mean, that was on your show as well. Um, I, you know, so I, I, here's what I hope, right? And I'm not trying to pick a, I know there's going to be some, it sounds like there's going to be ongoing dialogue. This is going to be something that's focused on over the next few months. And I hope that, you know, when we get to the trade show, we really hear, we really hear a strong statement on that. Um, because like I said, it is, it is not a rare pro. Like I said, and I'll tell you what, as, as a media, I have some decisions to make. Okay. Um, on what's going to be covered and not going forward. So, um, that line, I have to look at it very carefully. Um, and, and see what I'm going to do is media as well. I mean, there's certain things I don't cover period. Then we get into the gray line things. What do I do about some of this gray line stuff? And if I'm going to call out manufacturers and stuff on this, right. Cause I do think it I do think this is destructive to our industry. I have to kind of be responsible in what I report as well. But the problem is you reported or not. I mean, there's certain things that are obvious. I'm just staying away from. Um, but you know, the gray line stuff, I got to really look at carefully how, Great. And Candy Cane was a good example of that because that's something I, I when I reviewed the cigar, I'm like, this is not good, guys. Uh, you know, it's just I, this is I was just thinking about this, like, um, but I love the cigar. I love I love and Viaje is a brand. And I don't want to pay, not to pick them. They, they've had some great fun releases, right? Without that. So mm -hmm. but they have I think they fall into this category. It's, it's unfair to pick on some of the look. I think it's I don't want to say something. We have to look at everyone here with this is what I'm saying. So, and if someone's yeah. crossing that line and I think it's, I have to call it out. So, um, and that's, that was, I, I put it in the review. I thought it was important on it to do that. Um, so, so, um, yeah, I like what Jay wrote. He says, I can't say what the PCA will do bear the pussy, but I recommended at this week's meeting that any, Violating product can be taken off the trade show floor immediately, and that scathing warning order should be sent to the manufacturer whenever a product is, is just released. I, I think it's I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea, but you know now you get into how much are they going to police? You know that's that's a tough thing. Yeah, that's, that's a strong statement if they do that. I mean, because I mean, at the end of the day, you are talking about private business owners, and and yeah. there are certain rights entitled to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think what I would call, and my strong and passionate words toward the PCA here, I would also, I would also echo them towards the, yeah. towards the manufacturers and business owners and brand owners that are that are exercising their free will and 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 doing what we would call irresponsible marketing. Yeah. Just, just consider what yeah. you're doing. 
imagine consider if, not not yeah. what you're doing for you for yourself and for your own taste and your own personal likes and dislikes but just take a good hard look at the impact that your decisions can make on an industry yeah because yeah we're not that decision well could be fun for you let's use keep using the word fun oh, I, I was told i i don't like to have fun believe me i was already told from several manufacturers that i don't like to have fun well be, but when you're playing packaging you can take that you can yeah, take that you can take that fun away and then what happens what happens when what happens when they they take away daniel marshall or fuente when you when you you're an olive Parker, green box, imagine that stuff in olive green boxes, guys. Imagine, imagine what that would do, the artists and work and all. It's it and guess what? John pointed out it happened in Canada. It's happened. Dave in Australia, you know, talks about this. It, it is happening, guys. And if you one of our own states, one of our own states in the United States, Hawaii, wants to eradicate tobacco with their ridiculous age requirements. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. They do. So, I mean, the question I have is, OK, you want to have fun. But at what cost is this eventually? Because I'm telling you, I'm I the thing I'm going to be worried about in over the next 10 years is plain packaging. I, I, I'm worried about it right now. And I'm just, you know, because especially going on so close to our like right over the border right now, it's happening. So. People need to ask that question, um, you know, in terms of how much fun do you want to have, guys? I mean, you can have a lot of fun and not cross the line, guys. That's true. And yeah. so there's We're an interesting comment in the chat um, from Jonathan. He said, so these brand guys should be walking scared of offending folks. You're telling them to walk the line so they don't take more freedom. Um, I'm not asking them to be scared. Uh, and I'm not asking them to be scared of offending people. Um, it's not about offense or not offense. It's again, it's looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. And um, and yeah, d- is it is it not fun? You know, or is it is it is it taking away from their intellectual freedom yeah. and their freedom as a business owner to do what they want with their business and to market how they choose? Yeah, it, it is a little bit. And and. Is that is that good? No, it's not. I'm I'm not I'm not saying it is. Yeah. Um, but what I am saying is good is the cigar industry as a whole. Yeah. And the we we were regaled earlier this evening with tremendous stories by an, a tremendous man who's yeah. lived an incredible life, and he's done that because of cigars. He's connected people. We've talked about how he how Daniel Marshall has been an ambassador for this industry outside of this industry. He has connected Hollywood and politics and everyday folk like you and I, Coop. Yeah, that's and the he key. has brought us yeah. all together because of this industry. Yeah. That's what I want to protect. Yeah. And that's what I want to see thrive. I agree. I mean, it's totally – that story was just, like I said, so well told. You know, I'm holding up the, the Daniel Marshall band here, right? It's a simple band, right? right? It's not – maybe it's not, you know, it's not the Opus X band, right? But it's a simple band. Imagine that replaced by on the cigar with a uh, olive green band. I mean, just think, I mean, all for the sake of fun that, you know, it gets to that point. I just, you know, these, these boxes here, you know, so it's, uh, 
you know, it's not that I'm trying not to have fun here. I'm just, I care about this industry a lot. Right. And, um, I just don't want to hit the, the, I have to be, but, but, you know, again, I don't think, I think there are so many other ways to have fun. You know, we, we've talked to so many different brand owners who have yeah. fun in this industry. Right. Um, but this one, it, we're, we're, unfortunately we're targeted. This industry is being targeted. Um, and it's unfair the way we're getting targeted. Right. Because we see what goes on in the craft beer industry and no one's, no one's trying to ban craft beers right now. Right. This stuff's going on in the craft beer relentlessly, but no one's trying to ban craft beer. So, but, but there are people who like nothing better than to eradicate tobacco from the world. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're, we're not trying to, st- I don't think anyone's trying to stifle creativity here because there's so many, there's so much good creativity. There's creative minds go galore here. No, there's there's a lot of interesting comments in chat in the chat and everything and 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 while we can we can respectfully disagree or agree on certain parts of it and everything i i i really what i really what i I, again not walking my statement back or anything but what i will say about the statement put out by the pca is that it has generated this conversation and 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 then i think it'll actually generate more and uh, I, I think um, it's good that the conversation and so it. it's good it's yep. a good start it's a good you know if if this is the if this is the the starter or the catalyst that gets the conversation pushed forward and more and more and gets people to start looking a little bit more internally at themselves yeah. and, and the way yeah. that they're doing things then yeah then you know what you know what maybe uh maybe i don't know what i'm talking about and <laughs> and the and the statement was served at the yeah. exact purpose that we all wanted it to be so um but yeah, I yeah. Um, I like what Josh says. We respect the opinions across the board and started the conversation. I, I like that. I do. Um, and like I said, I think we we do think that we applaud the PCA for from for putting the conversation out there. I, I think yes. that part we could disagree on 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 the statement, but that's okay. Um, the fact, and I think this is going to be a big story. Um, but like I said, I I have an ultimate goal here. I don't want to see. I don't want to. I don't want to put any case for plain packaging out there. That that's that's what I that's how I look at this. I just don't. I would hate to see that happen over over something, right? So, um, and here's the pro. Here, the other problem we have. This is human nature. When you're told you can't do something, what? How do you react? Sometimes they're gonna do it. You do it, and you do it work, and that's unfortunate. That's human nature, right? But I'm just you know. So I think I think like I said, I think there's just com- I think getting the conversation out there. I think educating people is important on this right now. So, um, like I said, I have to look at how we're going to cover things going forward um, on this. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, like I said, that gray line area is still very gray in a lot of areas because there's a couple of releases that I can look at. Are they, are they, like, it could be a food release. Does it really go to kids? It's, I don't know. That's kind of where, where do you draw the line? you know yeah. But, yeah yeah and that's that's an even that's an even bigger like a ho- is a jalapeno a bad thing you know so it's like <laughs> um you know that that's kind of and I'm, i know i'm picking on but that's you know and i get that too all right anything else bear i think we beat this one to death that's what i do best 
Nah. <laughs> nah. All right. No, we thank everyone for engaging in the conversation. So, um, yes, so. I mentioned programming notes. Uh, there are no primetime shows next week. Uh, I will be at Pro Cigar. Um, I may have some content from Pro Cigar, but there will not be any shows next week. Uh, so I got a little break. <laughs> so, um, and then um, two shows I'll mention coming up are um, the uh, first show. With, so the first show going into um, March, March 3rd, uh, we have Jay Davis on, uh, Aaron and I. Really excited about that. Um, have Jay on, um, so that'll be exciting. And then on March 7th, uh, on Jukebox, we're doing our 2022 version of Battle of the Bands. Uh, we've changed it up significantly this year. We are going to be doing a tournament for the best 1990s album. Uh, and we're going to have a draft show on March 7th to draft albums that we're going to put into brackets. Right, which is what we did last year. And uh, John McTavish and Hector Alfonso will be participating in the tournament this year. Uh, and there'll nice. be great and there'll be great prizes, as always, that we have. Um, I don't I don't have the Daniel Marshall stuff. I mean, that was for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but uh, and uh, we do make it easy to enter our, our contest. So um, and then you and I will have a special edition coming up in March as well. Um, and I know we're going to be doing a Lozona Palooza uh, pregame show in late March. So stay tuned to the schedule on that. All right. And then once again, Bear, I just want to mention again, if you haven't, uh, folks haven't seen Bear's 200s take with Carlito Fuente, uh, epic, epic, epic show. Um, Carlito and you knocked it out of the park that night. Uh, so it was just I was along for the ride. So it was it was it was beautiful. Yeah, it was just beautiful. Um, so please check that show out. Um, it was one for the uh, it was worthy of a 200 show for sure. All right. So thanks to our audience and everyone who chimed in tonight. Um, do really appreciate it. Uh, Bear, thank you for filling in. Aaron will be back. Oh, thank, thanks to Aaron for letting me be a part of this. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Yep. Aaron will be back. Uh, and uh, I'm hoping I hope he's having some really good time with his family. I've seen a couple pictures from the road already, so it sounds like he is. So, um, yeah, that will that will do it this week. Bear, thanks again. My pleasure, Coop. We'll see All you right. next time. All right. That's going to wrap up primetime episode 220 into the annals of history for February 17th, 2022. Now, February 18th on the East Coast. Happy birthday to my daughter, Kayla, who's hit the big 3-0. And um, yep, actually a few hours early. And uh, we'll and happy birthday to Daniel Marshall's daughter today. We'll see everybody uh, next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>